You're listening to Star Wars The Saga Continues. Your hosts, Kyle Avery and Tim Jirasi, are scouring the Holonet for news and bringing you all of the latest updates on the future of the Star Wars universe. And the future is bright indeed, so we invite you to join us on this exciting journey as the saga continues. Always in motion is the future. This is just the beginning. You'll find out full of surprises. It's not over yet. No. There is another. Hey there, Star Wars fans. You're listening to episode 36 of Star Wars The Saga Continues, your podcast devoted to Star Wars Episode 7 and Star Wars Rebels and the new Star Wars sequels and spinoff films and all the exciting new projects coming up in the Star Wars universe. As always, I'm your host, Kyle, and I've got my co-host, Tim, with me. How's it going, Tim? Hey, Kyle. Doing good. I'm still on a high from last week's great news of Star Wars stuff that we got. Casting, Rebels trailer, yeah. Still excited about all of it, so I don't think I'm going to come down from that high anytime soon. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, it's, it's been great. A, it's been a pretty exciting past month or couple weeks or something. We've got a lot of news. Um, and before we jump into the new stuff this week, um, you know, any more thoughts from last time on uh, you know the casting news and all that kind of stuff? It still really hasn't sunk in that <laughs> it's actually happening. I still have that feeling like, man, this is just so awesome, almost too good to be true. Like, but it is happening. It's just awesome to see it play out and just enjoying the ride really because it's just going to get even better from here but that was like the first big step (laughs) to the awesomeness that's going to be episode seven and just star wars in general for years to come so yeah it's it's great it's all good (laughs) it was our first step into a larger world yes (laughs) a much much larger world yeah in a in a world that was already large yeah (laughs) it's getting bigger but um yeah, and then uh, for, let's see, we had May the 4th, uh, Star Wars Day, since our uh, last yeah. episode. Um, did you do anything fun for that? You know, unfortunately, I didn't do as much as I wanted to <laughs> Star Wars that, that day, but uh, during the evening, I just kind of sat down watched the Yoda arc again, and I just felt like seeing that. And then there wasn't much time in the day left, so I just watched some special features off the Blu-ray. And I have to say, it's not very long, but one of my favorite special features on the Blu-ray is that... Uh, table reading they were having for the Clone Wars where George Lucas just explains the Force to everyone in the room. He has that notebook. He's just going, what's the light side about? What's the dark side about? They're just really cool hearing him like say all that stuff about the Force. And just like listening to the Grand Master <laughs> explaining it to like the young Padawans or the, the future of Star Wars. Like He's making sure everyone gets it right of what the Force is. It was just really cool. Probably one of my special features on the Blu-ray set, even though it's Maybe only about 10 minutes long, but I just love hearing it. So that's what I did on May the 4th. But I have to ask you about what you did, Kyle, because you posted a funny story about a pizza delivery guy, which I couldn't Yes, Uh, unfortunately. I I mean, I had overall a a very fun and enjoyable Star Wars day. Um, Although, you know, I didn't do a whole lot for it either. A lot of it was just posting Star Wars pictures and statuses and stuff on Facebook and, you know, seeing different pictures and uh, videos and stuff that people posted on Facebook and Twitter and all that. Um, But I did have a couple friends over and we watched episode three on Blu-ray, which was awesome. I hadn't watched that on Blu-ray before uh, since I got the Blu-ray box set for Christmas. And so, and I've been wanting to watch that one for a while. So I was like, it's Star Wars day. Of course, I'm going to watch a Star Wars movie. And I watched Revenge of the Sith and that was 
uh, just awesome to see on Blu-ray for the first time. But also, it was the first time I've watched it since the end of the Clone Wars series, um, you know, since we got the Lost Missions on Netflix and all that kind of stuff. And it was just awesome to see how much the the Clone Wars really adds to that movie and how yeah. much it sort of adds context and backstory to it. I mean, I've watched episode three, you know, at least a couple times or a few times since the Clone Wars series started back in 2008. And so, um, you know, there were already certain scenes like when you watch, um, you know, certain episodes from seasons one and two that have like Ala Sakura and Ki-Adi Mundi and Plo Koon. And when you see those guys get killed in Order 66, like it adds more impact to that. Um, but just sort of, I don't know, taking in the whole, the series as a whole, um, you know, watching episode three for the first time and, and just looking back on the whole Clone Wars series and how that impacted it, it was just so cool. And I felt, uh, I don't know, like it almost became my new favorite Star Wars movie. It's still right up there. I mean, I would say right now there's probably like a three-way tie between Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi, and Revenge of the Sith for which one's my favorite, but... Um, yeah, I mean, when you have all that backstory from the Clone Wars, it makes it so much better. And there were even certain scenes that people complain about a lot, you know, with Hayden Christensen's acting or whatever, like particularly that scene with Anakin and Padme out on the balcony and, you know, different scenes where they're talking about their relationship and stuff. And like, when, when that's all you have to base their relationship off of, then it does seem kind of phony, like, uh, you know, this doesn't really feel all that romantic and I can't really buy that these guys are in love. And like, why would Padme even fall for him in the first place? But when you've seen more of their relationship develop over the course of the Clone Wars, um, and uh, particularly even with the the Clovis arc in the Lost Missions, I felt that really added a lot to it too. Because then you're watching it, and like you've already seen a lot of their relationship development, and so it kind of takes some of the pressure off of those scenes. It's like, yeah, they're not the greatest scenes, but you can already buy that the relationship is there. It's like you don't have to base it just off those scenes. Um, and I mean, everything from that to, you know, seeing Anakin and Obi-Wan fighting at the end and thinking of all that they went through together during the Clone Wars and, um, you know, taking the Yoda arc into account when you're watching Yoda and Palpatine fight yeah, for real this time. I mean, just so much stuff that like the whole time I was, man, I love this movie so much more now. And I mean, I already liked it before. Um, I would say episode three was probably, you know, it was like my third favorite movie after Empire and Jedi, but um, it kind of pulled up right there in a tie for first with those two as I was watching it. And it was just like, man, the when you take the Clone Wars into account, it just makes this so much better. But yes, as you said, um, there there was sort of a, a funny and disheartening story to go along <laughs> with that. Because we ordered a pizza to eat while watching the movie. Um, and actually, we also watched my Star Wars fan film that I'm working on. I showed my family and, uh, you know, my friend who is over here. We watched my most recent cut of it that I'm hoping will get uh, accepted into Phoenix Comic Con and should find out in about a week or so uh, or within a week um, if I got accepted for that. But, you know, so we were watching that and waiting for pizza to get here uh, so we could watch episode three. And, uh, you know, then I'm thinking, oh, you know what? It's Star Wars guy. I'm going to Star Wars day. So I'm going to have some fun with this. And I put on my Jedi robe and I got my, uh, not a force effects lightsaber, but it's, I've got the Anakin Skywalker ultimate effects lightsaber, which is sort of like the, you know, the kids version of the force effects lightsaber. So, um, still, I think it's pretty cool. It's like the $35 ones that still have the tube that lights all the way up. It's just not as nice as the force effects ones. But anyway, so I put my robe on, I got my lightsaber 
and the doorbell rang for the pizza and I went and ignited the lightsaber and I'm wearing my robe and everything. I open the door and go, may the fourth be with you. And the pizza guy just kind of gives me this blank, confused look and then goes, oh yeah, it is the fourth, huh? And then just, you know, hands me my pizza and is like, you want any peppers to go with it? And I'm like, this guy is obviously not a Star Wars fan and I find his lack of faith disturbing. Like, come on, man, play it all, play along a little bit. <laughs> was it a young guy or kind of older? Or it was, it was a younger guy. You know, probably not older than like mid twenties or so. Maybe he felt he was too cool for Star Wars or something. But... <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Or he was just totally oblivious to the whole thing. Well, I was happy that day. I got a comment on the Star Wars shirt I was wearing. I went to the Subway to get a sandwich, and at the end, the the girl who was like the cash register before I left, she's all, you know, my coworker would love the shirt you're wearing. And then she turns out, oh yeah, it's Star Wars. They made the fourth be with you. I'm like, made the fourth be with you. <laughs> Goodbye. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> so it's like, it's cool to get some recognition. <laughs> yeah. See, oh, now speaking of coworkers, I have another sad Star Wars story. And I promise we'll get to the news eventually. But um, <laughs> I'm not sure if I've told you this before, Tim. But I went and saw uh, Captain America: The Winter Soldier a few weeks ago. Um, when that first came out. In fact, I went with, uh, you know, Jason Hunt from the Wampus Lair podcast and we went to go see it and I was wearing a Boba Fett t-shirt and I go up to my counter or, you know, go up to the counter to buy my ticket. And there's two girls there behind the counter and, you know, I buy my ticket from one of them and the other one next to her looks at my shirt. She's like, Oh, that's a cool shirt. Um, and it's kind of like a cartoony style Boba Fett. So I think she actually was laughing at it. She's like, Oh, that's really funny. Um, and then the girl I was buying my ticket from just kind of looks at it and she's like, I don't get it. And the other girl's like, it's Boba Fett from Star Wars. She's like, oh, I haven't seen that movie. And so then I started giving her crap. I'm like, <laughs> I get that not everybody likes Star Wars or has seen Star Wars, but you work at a freaking movie theater. Like, how did you get in here? Yeah, that should be a pre-resident or You can't work at a theater unless you've seen Star Wars. Come on. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. It was it was disappointing. And then I turned to the other girl. I was like, yeah, next time I'm buying my ticket from you because <laughs> you obviously know what's up. Like, stop everything. You're going to watch Star Wars right now. You're leaving your shift. <laughs> yeah, yeah, seriously. Especially when Episode 7 comes out. Like, how is she going to deal with the lines of fanboys in robes and lightsabers and stuff that are going to be lined up outside the theater at midnight? They have to have a special marathon screening for all the employees before Episode 7 comes out, just so they know what's going on. Oh, they... forget the employees. Dude, what if they had a... I mean, they do that a lot for the Avengers movies and stuff now, where they yeah. have, like, an all-day marathon at the theater. And I never go to those because I'm like, you know, I've got school or work that day or something. And, you know, who's got time to, you know, watch? I mean, I've had a Star Wars marathon before, but, you know, to pay for it and sit through all of those in a movie theater, I'm like, that would take a long time. But for Star Wars, I think I would probably do that just to get the chance to see all of them on the big screen again before seeing episode seven. That would be awesome. Yeah. Like I said before, I mean, that day that episode seven comes out, all I'm going to be doing is thinking about seeing episode seven and I won't be focusing on anything else. I was like, why not spend that time watching all six previous Star Wars movies? I was like the perfect way to kill the time before the premiere of episode seven. Yeah. But what's uh, funny is that um, I've been seeing a lot of advertisements for this in my theater. It was like, have your own private screenings, rent out theater rooms for particular movies. So like I got me and my brother thinking, oh man, we really got to do this for episode seven. Just save up some money rent for a private screening of the movie and just have the whole theater to ourselves and watch episode seven. <laughs> like, man, that'd be awesome. <laughs> so if we do that, Kyle, you're welcome to come down and uh, speak with us in our private screening for episode seven. <laughs> you know what? I might take you up on that. <laughs> you just invite a bunch of your star Wars fan friends. I'll carpool a bunch of people up here from Arizona. And... 
Yeah, so I'm curious to see how much that'll actually cost, and if there's any restrictions of like, well, you have to have this certain amount of people, or it can only be during this like uh, time or whatever, and it can't be the main screen. So <laughs> I'm definitely gonna look into it because that'd be awesome to have a private screening. Yeah, that would be pretty sweet. But that's but, way down the road. We still got a year and a half to go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then again, I mean, you know, part of the fun of going to a Star Wars movie too is not just going to a private screening with a bunch of your friends, but just going and, you know, being surrounded by a whole bunch of other Star Wars fans too. Um, especially if you go to the midnight show, like, you know, there's going to be plenty of people in costumes and T-shirts and yeah. waving lightsabers around and stuff. Just don't bring uh, infants. That's all I ask. <laughs> yes, <laughs> please. And, and if they start crying, like take them outside. Don't just rock them and shush them and hope that they stop because they never do. Yeah, <laughs> it just gets worse and worse as the time goes by. Yeah, but anyways, um, so that was our uh, little tangent right there at the beginning about Star Wars Day and all that kind of fun stuff. But let's get to some of the new stuff from this week. Um, and we'll kind of start off uh, just talking about the Episode 7 stuff um, that kind of feeds right in from uh, where we left off with our last episode. Um, and so we've had, you know, some more reactions to the casting news and that sort of thing. Um, but we've also got, let's see, on May 4th, J.J. Uh, Abrams and Lawrence Kasdan posted a video on StarWars.com and YouTube and everything. Um, you know, just a short little, like, 25-second video, but they're wishing the fans happy Star Wars Day, and they did mention uh, that there were more announcements about casting still to come, um, and we've heard a couple other reports about that, especially some saying that they still have one major female role to cast, um, so definitely looking forward to that, hopefully in the next, you know, week or two uh, before they start filming this month, you know, hopefully we'll get some more casting announcements or some more news about that as that develops. Yeah, for the video, I just thought, regardless of what he said about the casting, I just thought it was just really cool of Abrams and Kasdan to do that because, you know, May the 4th has just been something that's been fan-generated, and as the years go by, it's getting more and more popular, and Lucasfilm's doing more and more to celebrate that day. But to actually have, like, the new main creative forces behind the new Star Wars movies uh, take just a few seconds and create a short video and just say Happy Star Wars Day, I just thought it was really cool. It's like it's that's as high as you can go, really, <laughs> for the Star Wars uh, front to get... Uh, acknowledgement from the top guys of Abrams and Kazza. So uh, I just thought it was cool that they did that. It just had nice to hear them say happy Star Wars Day. <laughs> so even though it was kind of good to hear Abrams say there's still some more casting announcements to be made, I didn't really, that wasn't what I took most from that video. I just thought it was really cool of them to do that. And I wasn't expecting it at first. So when I saw that, like, man, that's really cool. A nice way to start May the 4th on a good note from the director and writer for episode seven. So good job by them. Yeah, and you know what? Yeah, that definitely is a nice gesture for them to do that and uh, take the time out. I guess maybe I was just a little bit disappointed that they didn't actually say, May the 4th be with you, because I thought that would have been kind of fun. <laughs> but, you know, see, it's kind of weird because, I mean, May the 4th didn't really start out as this big thing of, like, it's Star Wars Day, you know? I mean, it it sort of was Star Wars Day, but, like, everybody would just tell each other, May the 4th be with yeah. you, and now it's become such a big thing that now it's not May the 4th be with you. It's, like... Happy Star Wars Day. Oh, why is it Star Wars Day? Because it's May 4th and may the 4th be with you, ha ha ha. But yeah, happy Star Wars Day, you know? So it's like they're almost sort of burying that part of it now. But I don't yeah, know. Yeah, well, I couldn't tell you how many uh, strange looks I would get at my old job when I'd say happy Star Wars Day. And they say, well, why the Star Wars Day? And I tell them, oh, it's May the 4th. May the 4th be with you. <laughs> A lot of shaking heads and just like, oh, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> you're crazy. Like, but now look at it, it's becoming more popular than ever. 
Yeah, it's definitely, I mean, it helps when you have people like J.J. Abrams and Lawrence Kasdan helping to promote it. And obviously Lucasfilm has really embraced it. And, uh, of course, they revealed some other big stuff on Star Wars that we'll get to a little bit later when we talk about Star Wars Rebels. But, um, yeah, like you said, great to just see that support from the people behind Episode Seven. Um, and we also have a new report. Um, this is coming out in the most recent issue of Entertainment Weekly. Um, just some more details about Star Wars Episode Seven, and uh, they're saying this is sort of in in light of the recent casting announcement. And they've got some uh, they say sources with direct information about the project and stuff like that. Um, and they say that the casting began in earnest in January, which is kind of funny because I'm pretty sure that there was a long time before that that we were waiting for a casting announcement. It's like they hadn't even started yet. Um, but yeah. they they also say um, that they do still have several roles yet to be filled, including a major female lead. Um, Michael Arndt's initial script has been significantly overhauled by Abrams and Kasdan, which led to a delay in casting. Um, Hamill, Fisher, and Ford had been secured to return for Episode Seven before the Disney sale in 2012, and that's not hugely surprising. But uh, you know that's something that we had wondered about because we'd heard that like George Lucas met with those three guys before. Yeah, before he sold the company to Disney yeah. and when they were first thinking about making Episode 7. So, uh, yeah, it would make sense to make sure you secure those guys ahead of time if you're going to try to do any sort of sequel. Um, and then, yeah, it says uh, Hamill, Fisher, and Ford will all have significant roles. And Han Solo is considered to be a co-lead alongside three of the younger actors. Um, now, again, none of this is, like, officially confirmed from J.J. Abrams or anybody, but this is the Hollywood Reporter saying they've got, you know, or, I'm sorry, Entertainment Weekly, not Hollywood Reporter. But, uh, you know, they're saying they have sources close to the project that they think are reliable. So um, still take it with a grain of salt. But at least this isn't just like wild, rampant rumor and speculation. And this stuff sounds pretty credible, I think. I do think it's kind of interesting that if it turns out to be true that, you know, Han Solo will have the biggest um, the biggest role, I guess, out of the three original trilogy cast members, because um, I would think that especially if this is going to focus on some sort of new Jedi order or something like that, I would expect uh, Mark Hamill to have the biggest role out of the three. But um, I mean, maybe that was part of Harrison Ford's condition to come back. He's like, well, if I'm going to do it, I might as well get a big part in it. So mm-hmm. make sure Han does a lot of stuff. Yeah. A lot of the stuff that was reported in entertainment weekly kind of matches with some other reports we've been hearing on earlier, because right before we got the official casting, there were rumors saying that Harrison Ford and, his role is going to be real big. It's on Solo in Episode 7, almost like it says here, like a co-lead alongside the three new trio of actors. So it kind of leads more credence to that where he is going to be the main focus. But I did like how it said where Hamill, Fisher, and Ford will have significant roles. And that kind of leads back to where we heard when Michael Arndt's script got rewritten by Abrams and Kasdan, where um, the big three were just going to have supporting roles. But and now the revised script by Abrams and Kasdan, that they were going to have significant roles. So that leads to more credence of that report earlier. So there's a lot of stuff we're kind of lining up more where reports are starting to match each other's uh, the new stuff that we hear. So uh, like I said before, when we first heard that report, I'm happy with them being having more significant roles. I mean, yeah, we want to see the new uh, characters be brought in, but still at the same time, this is the start of the new trilogy. Might as well, if this is going to be the last one for a few of them, I mean, with Han Solo being uh, rumored to have a big role, there's been a lot of speculation that he might die in this movie. So rather have him have a significant role. And if he does die, then where he doesn't have that much in it, but then he dies anyway. So um, it's all sounding good to me. So I'm just anxious to hear more about it. And like you said, though, I 
it's kind of strange where I kind of always thought Hamill would have the major part in it, but at the same time, too, if he's in it enough where Han Solo is maybe larger, I won't complain. I mean, just having them all back is still great. So, and it's kind of hard to speculate too much where we don't know the story and like what happened to the characters within this time between Return of the Jedi. So, yeah, I'm just saying just to find out more about it, but I'm like what I'm hearing from these reports. It just more stuff to get me excited. <laughs> yeah, and you know, especially now that we've got the whole cast and everything too. Yeah, exactly. Like, I was a little skeptical at first when they said that, um, you know, Michael Arndt was originally writing a movie where the original three cast members were more supporting characters and the, you know, it was going to focus on newer, younger characters. And then um, Abrams and uh, Kasdan, you know, sort of rewrote it to give the original characters a more prominent role. And I was like, well, I want them to be in it, obviously. I want them to have significant parts and not just be background characters, but I don't want them to be like the main three characters again. I would like to see some newer characters introduced. And I just think... I mean, especially to do all the kind of fun action adventure running around kind of stuff that they did in the original trilogy. They're kind of a little old for that now. So, um, but it, it's good to know now that like they have significant roles. Maybe Abrams and Kazan gave them bigger parts than they originally had in Michael Arndt's script, but it does still seem like the main focus is going to be on the three younger characters. If it's saying that Hansel is going to be considered a co-lead alongside those other three. Um, so... You know, if if he's like a pretty big, you know, almost a main character, and then like Luke and Leia are still big supporting characters, I'd be fine with that too. And what do you think the chances are where they all have significant roles now? That what if all three of them bite the dust in this movie? <laughs> I mean, we're kind of speculating that theories that maybe one of the main characters or the big three is going to die in one one of these movies in the new trilogy. But what are the chances that all three of them go out in episode seven? <laughs> like. Man, I don't know if I can handle that if I see that on screen. <laughs> I don't think the chances of that are very good. And if these reports are true that, um, you know, that Harrison Ford is going to have the biggest role out of the three, I would say there's a pretty good chance that this might be the only of the three sequel trilogies that Han Solo appears in. Maybe he goes out in a blaze of glory in this one after having a big role throughout the movie. Um, and then, you know, we see Luke and Leia carry on through the rest of the trilogy, hopefully. Um, and I definitely think, I mean, I don't know Harrison Ford's, you know, stance on this now, because obviously for a lot of years, people thought that he was like the one guy that they would never come back to do it. And, uh, you know, obviously he's, obviously that's not entirely accurate because he is coming back to do it. I don't know how excited he is about it, but I mean, you would think Mark Hamill and Carrie Fisher are the two of those three that would be most excited to, you know, yeah, just jump on board, come back for a whole bunch more movies. So, um, you know, I, I definitely hope they don't all get killed off in this movie, but I don't see that happening. Cause like you said, that would be pretty traumatic for a lot of original trilogy <laughs> fans. See, I'm kind of torn of which way it could go. Cause like we said, the, with Han Solo going out, all the reasons you give, I kind of could see that happening. But then I think about too, well, Luke could be another logical choice because he can come back as a force ghost in episodes eight and nine, kind of mirroring what happened with Qui-Gon, Obi-Wan, and, uh, or Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan, and then he'd be like the new person in that role who dies in the first movie of a new trilogy. So I don't know, just more speculation going around, but I can maybe see it where they both go, where I don't really want that. I'd like one of them to be around in the physical realm, <laughs> but I can see both of them playing out where maybe one dies, one lives, or they both die, but... Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> like I said, I, I don't know if I can handle it, seeing all three of them go, but just 
it's going to be a weird experience seeing one of those characters die in a new Star Wars movie. Like, try to bring some tissues just in case. <laughs> <laughs> well, and like you said, I think if Luke can return as a Force ghost, then that would probably be the easiest one to swallow out of all those. Be like, because, yeah, he's not really dead. Like, he can still come back. Yeah, I mean, not physically, obviously, but at least we can still have Mark Hamill making an appearance and, you know, talking to characters through the Force and guiding them and stuff. It's so weird for me about that, where it's like, that's going to be cool to see, but at the same time, like, that's Luke Skywalker is dead, and <laughs> it's just going to be so weird to process. I mean, one of my favorite characters growing up in all of fiction, and then just to see him die, but yet he is there, and the Force goes, it's like, it's cool, but it still won't be the same. It's just going to be such a, like I said, a weird experience when I see it for the first time. If that does happen, I mean, maybe we were wrong and he survives all three movies, but it would just makes it makes too much sense for that to happen. Like I said before, you know how the movies kind of like to rhyme with each other with certain things happening the same way. So that's why it makes me think that Luke could be like the Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon for episode seven and maybe he gets killed in this movie. So, But he I'm, could also go out in the third movie of the trilogy and be the Yoda. That's true, yeah. But then again, Yoda wasn't in... It's kind of weird because Yoda wasn't in A New Hope, so it's kind of where to compare him to that because he seems like he's going to be more the Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan to me, but you never know. I mean, <laughs> anything could really happen. Yeah, I don't know. We'll just have to see. I just trust that, you know, whatever they end up doing, I'm sure these guys are going to build the story around it, um, you know, well enough that it doesn't just seem like, oh, what the heck? They just killed that character off. Like, they're going to make it fit within the story, and it's going to just seem like a natural part of the story, I guess, and be emotional or cool or whatever. But, uh, you know, I just can't wait to see how all that plays out. One thing I'm worried about, though, because I know this is going to happen, it might not be done intentionally, but I just know it's going to be spoiled. Because someone's going to tweet out or the headline's going to say, find out uh, Han Solo's fate in Episode 7 or... Luke Skywalker's fate revealed. They won't even say they die, but just by reading like a headline like that, you kind of know automatically what's going to happen. Like, yeah, it's going to be hard not for that to be a surprise when it does happen. Also, I really wish they'd stop releasing novels of movies before the movies come out. Yeah, that's easy for me. I get what you're saying, but I always like I did for the prequels. Rip- uh, read all three novels after I saw the movie. That wasn't like a big temptation for me <laughs> to read them beforehand, but I know what you mean. This seemed kind of strange. Like, just have it come out the week of the movie or the week after. But I guess all their marketing plans that they have to do, it's usually early. So but. Yeah. Well, see, it's not just that it would be a temptation for me, though, but it's also that, like, if other people read it, then they can spoil it for you. Like, especially, I mean, when I was a kid, um, I did read episode three before that came out, but only because my dad bought it for me. Like, I wasn't going to go out and buy it myself, but then when my dad gave it to me and I just had it sitting on the shelf, then I was just sitting there, like, looking up at it, like, I'm not going to read it. I'm not going to read it. I want to know what happens. And I read it. But um, for episodes one and two, I had, well, actually, no, I think episode one was just spoiled for me by somebody who had seen it before I did. And I, you know, heard him saying that Qui-Gon died, but episode two, somebody like in my class at school who had read the book before the movie even came out, told me that Dooku cuts Anakin's hand off. And I'm like, Oh great. Thanks. Now I'm not going to be surprised when that happens. So I'm like, yeah, that'll be something. Maybe I'll go, you know, be like Obi-Wan and be a hermit as soon as the book comes out and (laughs) hide from any sort of spoilers. Yeah, I will say I'll be pleasantly shocked and surprised if I do not know the fate of one of those characters before seeing the movie. Even though I'll try my best not to find out, it's just going to be impossible with all the social media stuff. I mean, unless I go on a complete blackout, like no Twitter, no Facebook, or nothing. 
because it's gonna be it's gonna be a big story when it does come out. Because even like mainstream sites like IGN, they'll post like a, a headline about it that'll give you a hint. And I mean, they wouldn't make a big deal about it if nothing happens to them. So even though they won't specifically say, "Oh, this particular character dies," whatever the headline is gonna be, you're just gonna be able to put two and two together in real right. life. That. Uh, it's going to be tough. <laughs> yeah, well, we will try our best. Yeah. But I have confidence that they won't make the same mistake with the soundtrack like they did with episode one. <laughs> oh, where it had, uh, what, Qui-Gon's Noble End on Yeah. It? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they'll say Han Solo's uh, Last Flight or something like that. <laughs> oh, you never know. They might. Well, you would think they learned their lesson, but yeah, <laughs> who knows? Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. But, uh, yeah, then we've got, um, you know, a couple other small episodes having related things. Like, um, there was a report or an interview with, uh, Donald Gleason where he's talking about obviously the big episode seven announcement and being part of it and, um, saying how it all happened really fast for him. It was just sort of like, you know, a day or two before that they officially cast him. And then next thing he knew, he was like at the table read. But, uh, something that I thought was interesting is they said, uh, you know, they asked him what character he'd be playing. And he said, I'm afraid if I say anything, I'll give away the plot of the whole movie. I've got two years of this ahead of me. The movie is released in December 2015. That's the amount of time I have to keep my mouth shut. So I'm like, should we not read too much into this? Is he just saying that because obviously it's J.J. Abrams and this is a huge movie that people are excited for and they're going to try to keep stuff under wraps and surprise people when they go see it? Or is he actually playing a role that is sort of, you know, it's maybe a secret in the movie that's revealed at the end or revealed later on in the movie or something like that. And, I mean, we had speculated last time that maybe he was playing Luke Skywalker's son just sort of based on his physical appearance and things like that. And it's like, well, if he's playing Luke's son and it really is something that he's supposed to keep a secret and that it would spoil the plot of the movie if he revealed it, then you know is is the fact that luke has a son supposed to be some kind of secret does luke not know he has a son or maybe they'll have luke's son instead of han and leia's son be the one that turns to the dark side and maybe he's actually the villain in the movie i mean who knows but that sort of opened up my mind to some new uh veins of speculation where i'm like hmm i didn't really consider that he might be playing a really secretive character so um, I don't know. It'll be interesting to, to get more information on that. I would be really annoyed and frustrated and really anxious and excited at the same time. If like they reveal, you know, a couple weeks from now or something like before they start shooting, if they reveal some more information about the cast and say like, okay, John Boyega is playing this person and Daisy Ridley's playing this person. And then they just have Donald Gleason and a bunch of question marks next to his name <laughs> or like a, a descriptive paragraph. And they just have it all, you know, covered in blackout and be like, now I want to know. I know they might have like mysterious young Jedi or mysterious boy is <laughs> like his description or they, knows, they, they could call him uh what was Khan's name in star trek john something oh yeah I mean, it was another star trek character but i forget but yeah or john harrison yeah they could just give him some completely misleading description yeah cause i remember when daniel logan was cast for episode two it just said mysterious young boy Not <laughs> <laughs> leading credence that he'd be boba fett but i mean yeah as a fan how can you not uh, speculate with that comment <laughs> saying he'll uh, give away the plot of the whole movie so it just makes you think oh he must be a pretty central character and like we speculated before and like you said I mean, maybe 
so someone who's related to Luke. And that got me thinking too, where you said, oh, maybe Luke doesn't know about it. And I know you mentioned this earlier before recording. Is Luke going to have another Darth Vader moment where, no, I'm your father, but it's the opposite word. Uh, Domhnall Gleeson's going to say, no, I'm your son <laughs> instead. <laughs> Is Luke going to have two traumatic experiences like that? <laughs> I mean, yeah, just can't help but wonder. But another thing that I just thought about his comments was, man, literally he said almost a day before he got the part and he was off to the table read. I mean, how cool was that? It must have been from or just crazy in a whirlwind it must have been to get the news. Okay, you're in Star Wars now. Get down here in London and start the table read. Meet Harrison Ford, Mark Hamill, Carrie Fisher, meet J.J. Abrams. Like, I could imagine what those 48 hours of, for him were like. This must have been crazy and surreal. <laughs> Yeah, that certainly must have been crazy and exciting and everything. But you know what? If I were in his position, I think I almost would rather have it that way than be cast like six months ago and just have to keep my mouth shut. Because, um, you know, even like he's talking about how he's still got almost two years before the movies come out that he's or before the movie comes out that he has to keep his mouth shut and not talk about, uh, you know, what character he's playing or anything like that. But at least he'll be doing stuff for that two years, you know, like they'll be busy filming and then I'm sure they'll go back and do some pickup shots once they're in post-production and stuff like that. And of course, you know, the hype will be building for the movie and we'll be getting trailers and posters and all that kind of stuff. And so, you know, at least you've kind of got some of that stuff to keep you busy. Whereas if you get cast like way before they even start filming and you don't have table reads or anything like that, I mean, you're just kind of sitting on the knowledge that like, yeah, I've been cast in Star Wars Episode Seven, and it's freaking awesome. And I can't tell anybody. So I'm just going <laughs> to kind of slowly go crazy. That's a good point. Yeah, I didn't think of it that way. But I just hope he was able to take it all in. Like it just wasn't a rush thing. Where like a few years from now it was like it was just such a crazy time where I couldn't even really like appreciate and take it all in the fact of meeting Mark Hamill, Harrison Ford, and Carrie Fisher for the first time and just being in Star Wars because then you think that'd be something you'd want to remember forever. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And then I mean after that table read too, Mark Hamill tweeted out and said uh, basically he was just really impressed with the yeah. new cast and with the script and the movie and everything, and he said the future of Star Wars is in good hands. So. Definitely sounds like a promising start for, you know, Gleason and Daisy Ridley and uh, John Boyega and Oscar Isaac and all these new guys, too. Um, you know, if they could totally blow Mark Hamill away reading a Star Wars story, like, you know, it's got to be good. So that's uh, definitely exciting to think about. And I don't know about you, Tim, but I even watched um, the new the new series of 24 that they're coming out with, like the Live Another Day or something like that. Um, because, uh, part of the reason I watched it was because John Boyega's in it. And I saw, I like, I watched the first season of 24 and I didn't really keep up with it. So I haven't seen most of the other seasons. Um, but you know, part of it, like I had heard that it was pretty good and I know a lot of people are excited about it. So I was like, yeah, I might check this out again. Um, but also, yeah, part of the reason that I wanted to watch it, I was like, okay, now that I know that somebody from Star Wars and somebody that's in Star Wars Episode Seven is in this show and I haven't seen any of his work in other movies or anything before. So I'm going to check this out just so I can get a look at this guy. And he seemed pretty good. I mean, he doesn't really have a role that I would compare to any sort of lead character that he might play in Star Wars, but he does at least seem like he's got some uh, pretty good acting ability. That's good. Yeah, I was thinking of doing the same thing, but I'm never much of a 24 fan. So it really didn't, I kind of forgot about it when it did come on. But it's good to hear that he was good in it. Was he like a bad guy or a good guy in this? 
No, he's uh, – well, I don't want to give away too much stuff for anybody who hasn't seen it and wants to check it out because obviously there's a lot of twists and turns yeah, and stuff. But no, he plays a uh, sort of a young uh, Air Force pilot. He's like a, a drone pilot, so he just like sits behind a computer and controls where the drone planes go. Um, and then he, uh, he sort of gets framed for something that sets up this big conspiracy. So a lot of people think he's guilty of something that he didn't do, but um, he's not actually a bad guy. He's just sort of an innocent victim in this big plot going on. For now, he could end up being the mastermind behind it. He could. You never know with that show. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so I mean, that's uh, a little bit more about the cast. And then we have yet another uh, rumored title for episode seven. Um, and this came from Ain't It Cool News. And they say they have some inside sources that have said that at least the working title for episode seven is Star Wars episode seven, The Ancient Fear. Um, and, you know, we don't know if this is the actual title, if it's just the working title that they're using while they're working on it, or if it's just complete bogus, you never know. Um, obviously take this with yet another grain of salt because nothing official has been revealed yet, but uh, Tim, I know you weren't too keen on this, were you? No, I wasn't. I mean, it's not the worst title in the world, but at the same time, I'm not believing any rumored title for the movie that comes out. None of them were true with the prequels, and I'm not expecting that to be true for episode seven. So it was funny, too. I forget where I saw it, but someone, when this story came out from Ada Cool News, they had a link to an old story back in 2004 where he said he had the title for episode three. It was almost the same thing as this. It was like the creeping fear or something like that. But the word fear was in that rumored title for episode three. So it just kind of made me think eh, it's going to be the same thing where the title is going to be nothing close to this. But <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I will be absolutely shocked if someone guesses the title for any of the upcoming movies. Because like I said, the prequels were O for like a million or something like that. <laughs> <So> <laughs> rumor titles we got so it's gonna be something we're not even gonna suspect yeah i mean i'm obviously not putting a whole lot of stock in this either but i mean i didn't hate it like you said it's not the worst title and um some interesting speculation i did hear because you know at first a lot of people were assuming or speculating that adam driver would be the villain in this movie and then um when i heard the rumor about this title some people were saying like oh this could relate to max von Sydow, who's going to be the villain and he's going to play like an ancient sith lord or something like that and i'm like well that could be pretty cool um especially you know me being a big fan of the old republic era and if they're gonna bring back some sort of ancient sith lord or old it's you know sith spirit or something like that um because i think in the even like in the jedi academy trilogy where Luke, you know, is training these new Jedi recruits in the temples on Yavin 4, and one of them gets possessed by the ancient spirit of Exar Kun. And, you know, I'm like, if they do any of that sort of stuff, I mean, that would be pretty cool to see. But, again, that's all speculation at this point. I'm not getting my hopes up, and I'm not really um, taking that as fact or anything. So, um, you know, yet another thing to just sort of think about and speculate about. But, yeah, I'm not putting a whole lot of stock in this either until they actually announce what the title's going to be. Yeah, when we do get the title, it's going to be, whoa, didn't see that coming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and we'll exactly. see how many complaints it gets saying, oh, this doesn't fit as a Star Wars title. But then a few years later, it'll just roll off the tongue. It's like the uh, Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones does. Well, at least for me, it does. I know there's probably some people out there who still aren't fans of those titles. But to me, it's all it all fits now. Just like, okay, it doesn't sound weird. It's just the name of the Star Wars movie. Yeah, and again, I mean, I've said this before that for me, I mean, yes, I would like it to have a, a really cool sounding title or something that maybe um, hints a little bit at what the movie's about or something like that. But at the end of the day, 
I'm going to go see it regardless of what title they put on it. And it could have the dumbest title in the world and still be a really good movie. And the title won't really bring it down for me all that much. Like they could title it the revenge of Jar Jar. And (laughs) if Jar Jar Binks doesn't show up in the movie at all, and the movie ends up being really good, then I'll walk out of it going, you know, I wish it wasn't called the revenge of Jar Jar, but still that was a really good movie. Whereas, you know, if, if it's called, something really cool i don't know but like if they put a really good title on it and then the movie's not that great then people aren't going to be like oh yeah well that was still a cool movie because it had a cool title so yeah you know that's one of those things it's it's low on the importance list for me so exactly yeah i mean we'll just have to wait and see whatever that ends up being but um whatever it is i'm just going to kind of take it and roll with it and be like okay now let's hope the actual movie's good yep well i so I'm just going to be excited when it does get announced. I mean, like I said, for the prequels, I wasn't disappointed with any of them. Some of them sounded strange, like, huh, okay, we'll see how it ties into that. That's the thing I'm going to probably be for this. Like, if it's some weird title that we're not sure how it fits, it's going to raise more curiosity for me. Okay, just how is the movie going to revolve around that title if it seems something that strange? <laughs> yeah, I mean, if anything, I'm like, like you said, I'm going to be just sort of looking for clues as to what the movie's about to sort of take away from the title. Yeah, exactly. Um, Same here. Yeah, so, I mean, we'll just have to to wait and see what they come up with for that. Um, And then last of all, uh, in terms of Episode 7 stuff, um, Bob Iger uh, put out some new new comments, I guess, um, detailing some of their plans for some of the future upcoming Star Wars movies um, after Episode 7. And uh, he said the three spinoff films uh, being targeted for Star Wars before the end of the decade – um, and that episodes seven, eight, and nine will be released every other year. So we're assuming 2015, 2017, and 2019. And, um, you know, he's just talking about the, the positive reaction to uh, sort of Star Wars and their what they've been able to do with the brand since they took over and people's reaction to the casting news and stuff. So, um, you know, still just sort of reinforcing the notion that everybody involved in these projects is all behind it and everybody's getting excited about it and they really think that the future of Star Wars is in good hands. But, uh, yeah, I mean, as for what he's talking about with the movies, though, um, I guess if he's saying three spinoffs before the end of the decade, which would be 2020, then we're still thinking we're probably going to get, starting in 2015, we might be getting a new Star Wars movie every year after that, like 2015 and then a spinoff movie in 2016 and then episode eight in 2017 and a spinoff after that. And then episode nine in 2019. And then we'd have another spinoff in 2020 if they keep up with that schedule. So we'll just see how that goes. I mean, obviously, you know, like stuff that's happened with episode seven, they had to push that release date back already because it was supposed to come out in summer. Um, and they had, you know, to rewrite the script and all that. So if they end up having to do that kind of stuff and have delays with the other movies, then maybe that schedule won't pan out. But at least for the time being, it looks like they're planning to still release one Star Wars movie every year for the next, you know, six years after this one. Yeah, this news got me really excited. I mean, we've heard this before, but that was the plan all along for the spinoff movies. And there has been some whispers of that having the episode eight, and nine to be two years after each other and from episode seven. But to hear it reiterated again from by Barger, by Viger, that that's still the plan. It just got me excited for the possibility of a star, new Star Wars movie every year starting in 2015. It was like, oh man, I would never dreamed of that being a possibility just a year and a half ago. And now 
to get a new Star Wars movie every year after episode seven. Jeez, man. <laughs> it's almost like I'm not worried at all about Star Wars overload or, or being too like uh, being overexposed and getting sick of it and not having the same uh, impact that it will. I mean, if the movies are great, that's all that's important. And I'm just like, bring it on. <laughs> the more, the better for me. So that just got me real excited when I heard that word. That's still the plan. And like you said, who knows what can happen where maybe some scripts might need to be polished more and some can get pushed back. But I mean, that's, if it does, that's more important for it to get uh, be good and have the quality up to snuff that, that they want it to be. So if it does get pushed back and it's not every year, I won't be complaining about it. But for right now, where that's still their plan, I couldn't be more happy about it. <laughs> I just hope it does uh, prove to be true, but we'll see. Yeah, and you know what? I'm really starting to sort of embrace that viewpoint a little bit more too. Because um, at the beginning, I think I was one of those people that was a little bit more skeptical when they said they wanted to do a Star Wars movie, you know, every year for the foreseeable future, and um, you know, be putting out all these spinoff movies and stuff. And I was like, well, we've always had a Star Wars movie every three years, you know, when the original trilogy and the prequels were coming out, and you know, this might be a little bit much, and it might kind of oversaturate it a little bit, and just sort of take away from the sort of that special feeling you get of going to see a new Star Wars movie because it's been three years since the last one. Um, and so, you know, I mean, obviously I was still excited about it. I'm like, the more Star Wars movies, the better, as long as they're all good. Um, so I'm still going to go see them all. I just hope that we don't start getting tired of it because they're putting them out so quickly and all this kind of stuff. But then I, I sort of thought about it recently and just sort of in my mind compared it to the Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit trilogies and how those movies came out once a year. And it didn't seem like oversaturation. Um, and, you know, those movies all did really well. Or, I mean, the Lord of the Rings movies did really well. There's been a little bit more mixed reception, I guess, to the Hobbit movies. But overall, there's still a lot of people who like those. And those have, you know, gotten pretty good reviews and gotten a lot of money as well. So... Um, and it doesn't seem like people are getting tired of it or like it's oversaturated or too much or anything like that. And so um, – and I was thinking about the the last Hobbit movie that's coming out this December and I was like, man, what if I had to wait three years for that? Like that would suck. I'm glad yeah. I only have to wait one year for this. And then I sort of compared that to Star Wars and I'm like, I'm going to feel the same way after Star Wars Episode Seven comes out. Like it's easy to say now – when we're not getting any of the movies yet, like, oh, I wish they'd wait three years in between and kind of space it out. And, you know, that'll make it more special when each one comes out. But then as soon as I walk out of the theater from episode seven, I'm going to be like, when does episode eight come out? Like, where does the line start for that? I'm just going to jump in right now. So, uh, yeah, I'm sure once I actually see episode seven, I'll be glad that I only have to wait a year for, you know, another spinoff and then another year after that for episode eight. So, um, yeah, I mean, as long as they're not rushing to meet the release dates, as long as they're taking the time that they need to and they've got good people working on them and they're coming up with good stories and making good movies, then, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't really have a problem anymore with the whole one a year thing as long as they're all good. And, uh, you know, that'll just be great to be getting more and more Star Wars content like that. And it makes me wonder, too, just if we can maybe start expecting to hear an announcement about a spinoff, one of the first spinoff movies, if it is going to be 2016, at least like maybe writer and director for it, kind of how they rolled out the episode seven announcements. So it makes me wonder maybe if during the summer or the fall of this year, we could start hearing more about that. If they're still planning to, to be in 2016 for the first spinoff movie to come out. Cause imagine having uh, news for that and episode seven during this uh, rest of the year. <laughs> how cool is that going to be? Yeah. And you know what? I would think if that does pan out, I mean, if we do end up getting a sequel movie or a spinoff movie in 2016, I would think we would hear something about that. 
Um, if not over the summer, then definitely before the end of this year, because it's already been like a year and a half since we first heard that they were making episode seven. Um, and so you'd kind of think like, I guess if there's a movie coming out a year later, like it would be not too long before we'd start hearing about that. But I also think, I mean, I, I guess I can't really say I think this is what they'll do, but maybe something I'm wondering about and something I wouldn't mind seeing them do is maybe if there was no new movie released in 2016 and then they started again in 2017 with the summer releases. Um, Cause you know, there's been some speculation about that. Like, are they going to go back to releasing them in May after episode seven um, and we'll just kind of see how that goes. But then again, I mean, it, I read something else recently talking about Marvel and or yeah, Disney and Marvel and their plans for the Marvel movies. And they've got Marvel movies planned through like 2024 or something like that um, or 26 or I don't know for the next several years ahead. And so, I mean, if they just have all their big Marvel movies coming out in the summer and all their Star Wars movies coming out in the winter, then they've kind of got a stranglehold on the summer movie blockbuster season and the, you know, big releases that come out around Christmas time. So, I mean, I wouldn't really mind either way, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I could care less of when they come out now. <laughs> like you said, they could have uh, dominant summers a whole calendar year <laughs> from movies coming out between Marvel and uh, Star Wars and Pixar movies and stuff like that. I mean, <laughs> they're, they're just going to be a force to reckon with when it comes to movies and just having all these different franchises. Cause right now they're having like this small feud with the, uh, the release date for uh, Batman versus Superman and uh, Captain America three. Cause right now they're both slated to come out on the same day. And you know, one of them is going to move because they're just going to uh, take away from each other's box office if they're coming out at the same weekend. So, but it's kind of hard to go against what, uh, Marvel and, or Disney has been doing, even though Batman and Superman are the biggest superheroes out there. And I personally think they'd probably, or they will do better than what Captain America did. But still, I mean, Disney has all these different franchises where they can dominate any part of the year that they want to. And they even tried it this year with Captain America coming out in April instead of May, which begins the summer uh, movie season. So they will try that with Star Wars too. I mean, maybe that'll be an April release for one of the spinoffs or earlier i mean who knows they can do whatever they want i really don't think for star wars uh release date is going to matter too much it's going to do great no matter when when it comes out so yeah just a matter of knowing when so we can know where to get our tickets and plan our events (laughs) yeah exactly um and then so moving on from all the episode seven stuff and speaking of big events and everything um just sort of one small piece of news they uh they've released i guess published a new website for star wars celebration anaheim uh so that uh, just was launched this past week and uh you know it's got some new information not really any news about guests or events or anything yet except that uh they've announced that james arnold taylor is going to be the host again um as long as or as well as they've uh announced a couple other people that are hosting some of the smaller events on some of the smaller stages um, and James Arnold Taylor is going to be sort of the big host on the main stage, just like he was at Celebration 6, where he was the one interviewing uh, Mark Hamill and Carrie Fisher and all that kind of stuff. So uh, that's definitely something to get excited about. Um, and that is less than a year away. So um, I'm still getting excited for Phoenix Comic Con this summer and looking forward to that and sort of making those plans. But once that's over, then, uh, you know, uh, Celebration Anaheim will be not too far ahead on the horizon. So. Uh, for anyone who's interested in going to that or who's you know already planning to go or excited to go or anything like that, uh, this new website is up. 
And I think it's the same domain as the last one. Yeah, it's StarWarsCelebration.com. Um, just sort of they've revamped it and added some new sections to it and just sort of it's got a new coat of paint for the new convention in 2015. So it's looking pretty good. Yeah, and a great uh, welcome video from James Arnold Teller <laughs> showing him get all suited up for his uh, stage show. He's getting like a sports coat on. He's getting the lights, the Obi-Wan lightsaber on. <laughs> then let's get it all ready. Then he ends up uh, tripping on himself. <laughs> <laughs> And then, uh, so we've got a couple exciting video game things to talk about, um, and one of which is, uh, this came out since our last episode, this was on May 1st, that uh, Disney and uh, Lucasfilm just sort of surprise dropped this Star Wars Journeys app on the Apple App Store, and uh, I guess this was, you know, we had talked about this press event a few weeks ago that happened at a Disney store in California or something. And Tim, you were thinking maybe that's when we were going to get the casting announcement. And we were kind of speculating on what that might be. And uh, apparently this was showing off at the, at that event, but it was, you know, pretty secretive and the, all the press people there couldn't talk about it. And then uh, the day this came out, it was just sort of like, Oh, surprise. Here's a new star Wars app. Like we hadn't seen any trailers for it or anything. Um, but yeah, it's called Star Wars Journeys, the Phantom Menace, and it's sort of like an interactive storytelling uh, or storybook uh, that sort of tells the story of the Phantom Menace. And it's just this interactive thing where it's got uh, sort of these cool illustrations of scenes from the movie and you can like swipe through them and zoom in on stuff and tap on things to make the, the story happen. Um, I mean, I thought it was pretty cool. It's only, you know, it takes maybe like 20 or 30 minutes to get through the whole thing, uh, mostly aimed at kids to sort of get this interactive storybook aspect of it. But then packaged in with this thing is a pod racing game, which if you've heard me talk on this show before, you know how much I love Star Wars or how much I love mobile games in general and like playing games on my iPhone and how much I've been clamoring for more Star Wars games and how much I would love to see a new pod racing game. And so when this came up, obviously it piqued my interest, but because it was attached to the storybook app, I was like, eh, I'm not really sure how I feel about this. Like, it seems like it might just be some sort of tacked on little mini game and you know, it might not live up to my expectations. And this app, it's not a free app like a lot of apps that come out nowadays where they make money through, you know, letting you purchase currency and stuff in the game. Um, the whole app itself is like 7 or $8 and you just buy the whole thing on the app store. Um, and there's no in-app purchases or anything like that. Um, but, I mean, it's a little pricey for some of the apps that you pay on pay for on there. I mean, most of the ones I buy are usually like you know, if they're not free, they're like two or three or five dollars or something. So I was like, seven ninety nine is a lot to put down for this. But then, uh, maybe a few hours after this came out, I saw one of the first people uh, to put a YouTube video up of the pod racing gameplay, and I was like, okay, I'll give that a shot. And I went ahead and bought it, and I played it, and I was not disappointed at all. Um, this is, I mean, this thing's pretty great and it's definitely got a lot of depth and, uh, customization and, you know, a lot of different racers you can buy and a lot of tracks and stuff and a lot more to it than I expected from this thing that was just part of a little storybook app. So I, I'm happy that my, uh, my pod racing itch has finally been scratched. Yeah. Well, I was excited for this mainly for the story part of the Phantom Menace and seeing this new artwork and, getting to interact with it. I mean, it was okay. Like you said, it was more aimed towards kids. And it was cool to have James Arnold Taylor narrate the story. But the pod racing thing 
to me, I was expecting, oh, it's to be like a nice little side mini game, probably nothing too big. But when I played it, it was like, oh man, this is really cool. <laughs> like this is probably where most of my time is going to be sucked into this uh, Journeys app. And there's so much uh, content in there that you could do with your pods. We buy different races, like you said, customize it with uh, different looks, and then just, uh, upgrading your stats on there. So yeah, I was surprised it had that much. But then before I started playing, I was like, okay, let's see how it controls. It's probably going to be awful. But I'm playing on my iPad, and then it worked really good. You just have those two directional buttons on there to turn, and then just for your brakes and your boosts, and it works great. I mean, it took a little bit to get used to on the iPad for me anyway. I was crashing into some walls on my first race, but when I started going, yeah, it was really fun. The only thing is... So you steer with the directional buttons, and you don't tilt the device? No, I hate oh, doing that. Oh, Tim, really. you drive like a rookie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, uh, I think I told you this earlier, since I haven't played it that much, I've maybe only done one tournament. I'm like the Ben Quadraneros of <laughs> <pod laughs> where I can't even make it out of the <laughs> opening lap, and you're like Saboba already unlocking everything. And yeah, it. I've unlocked almost everything in the game so far and played it a whole bunch. But yeah, I mean, it's a ton of fun. They've got like, I think, six racers in there from the movie. They've got Anakin, Saboba, um, and then Mars Guo, uh, Team Topagalese, Mahonic, and Rats Tyrell. Um, and some of you are probably going like, wow, who the heck are those people? And some of you, <laughs> if you pay close attention during The Phantom Menace, or if you've played the old Episode 1 Racer game, you're like, oh yeah, I know those guys. Um, and that's how I was. I was like, oh cool, they've got this guy and this guy in here. But uh, then they've also got like six more pods that are, each one is like a variant on those other ones. And so you've got one that looks pretty similar to Anakin's, but it's not exactly the same. And actually for Anakin's, I think it's based off of um, some of Ralph McQuarrie's early concept art from episode one. Cause I've seen um, some of his concept drawings of the pod race and Anakin's pod racer. And those drawings looks more like this sort of secondary um, customized one in the game. But so you've got like a secondary version of each of those pods that you can um, buy different paint jobs for and change the color of them and stuff. So you've kind of got like your six main racers and then six more that you can um, sort of customize and make them look how you want. And then, like you said, Tim, you can buy all these upgrades for their stats and everything. Um, And which is pretty fun because there's sort of some strategy involved in like which racer you pick because uh, some of them have like, you can't just upgrade all their stats and max them all the way out. Some of them have certain limits. So you might have one guy that you can max his speed all the way out, but he doesn't handle very well. Or you might have one guy that's, you know, handles well, but doesn't have a lot of top speed or can't boost for very long or something. So there's some nice variety there. And then, uh, with the tracks that you race on, they're all on Tatooine. So there's not a lot of planets like there were in the original episode one racer game, but there's 12 different tracks too. Um, and those are pretty cool. Cause you've got, again, some pretty neat variety and, uh, some cool sections of the tracks that, I mean, there are some parts that look exactly like, uh, parts of the race that you see in the movie. And then there are some where they added some cool sections that you're like, Oh, this wasn't there before. Um, like there's one course where you literally are flying through, I don't know if it's supposed to be Moss Espa, but you're racing down the streets of, you know, a, a town there on Tatooine and trying to not crash into huts and buildings and stuff. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I was really impressed with it and just the amount of racers, the amount of customizability and upgrades and stuff you can get and the amount of tracks. I mean, I've spent a lot of time playing this thing and it's a lot of fun. Yeah, it just makes me wonder too, what are they going to do for the remaining five movies? What different uh, mini games are going to have? For episode two, I'm kind of guessing maybe it'll be the chase sequence with Zam Wessel with Obi-Wan and Anakin. And like for Jedi, I'm expecting the speeder bike chase, but for Empire, maybe something with Haas or the asteroid field. So 
just can't wait to see what they're going to do next with this because uh, the story, like we said, was cool to go through once, maybe for like 20 minutes. And then as you go through, you click on different characters to unlock profiles. And then as you're doing the pod races, you unlock other profiles for certain characters and creatures. But yeah, now for the next one, I'm just can't wait to see what different uh, mini games are going to have and what aspects they're going to take from the movies because the pod racing one was really good. Yeah. But, Definitely going to be playing more of it, even though it would take me probably longer <laughs> to unlock everything. See, I wish they added some kind of multiplayer element to it. Yeah, that'd be but, really cool. Uh, yeah. See, the thing, I mean, it, it's kind of tricky because I almost wish they would make this into its own game. I'm like, this is so cool. Like, they should just spin this off into its own pod racing game. But there's so much to this, it already feels like its own pod racing game. Um, and yet because it's tied in with the storybook, I'm like, I doubt they'll really add a whole lot more to it. I mean, I would love to see it updated with multiplayer and more planets and more racers and stuff, but you know, at least it's not just some sort of tacked on cheap little mini game. And if this is all we're going to get for pod racing, then, you know, I'm at least happy with, the. Uh, you know, with what they've given us so far. And yeah, like you said, they also announced when they released this app, they announced that this, uh, star Wars journeys is going to be this whole series of apps. They're going to release, um, you know, more, they're going to release one app for each of the other six movies. Um, and then I've even heard people talk about, well, maybe they might do one for clone wars or rebels, or they might do one for episode seven when that comes out. But if, if each of them includes a game to go along with it, like the story app or, or like the pod racing that they put in with the story app in this one. Um, and if they take as much time and effort and put as much, you know, detail and amount of content into the other games as they do, as they did with the pod racing game, then, there are some pretty awesome possibilities for other games they could come up with. Um, and, you know, we were talking about this before and I was saying, I would love to see a space battle, maybe either for episode three or for episode six, um, or even maybe for episode four, if it's something where you're, you know, flying down the death star trench, although they've already done a, uh, a death star trench run game on iPhone that you can now play for free on starwars.com. But uh, yeah, I mean, there's just a lot of other, uh, fun possibilities maybe even like a, a hoth battle game for empire strikes back that you know might even be something like rogue squadron where uh i know in that game you could uh fly i think you could fly snow speeders because i remember a level where you're trying to trip yeah, up yeah. imperial walkers and stuff so yeah maybe something like that on on hoth or um yeah i know there's a, a lot of possibilities and like i said the the pod racing for uh the phantom menace app is just a really good start and i'm like man if all the other games that they come out with are anywhere near this much fun then uh, we're in for some treats oh yeah and it makes me think though like how spread a part of the release is going to be because it did say in the press release that these are all going to lead up to episode seven so it makes me think that's going to be pretty spread out between the releases of for each movie so it didn't give a specific time frame but they're probably going to keep it spread out enough to where maybe return of the jedi will come out just before episode seven and maybe they'll release an episode seven one when the movie comes out or not too long after yeah but you know i think they also said somewhere in there that these apps would be coming out you know in the near future or coming soon or something like that so um, I would think, you know, maybe if they're leading up to episode seven, they might be coming out over the next couple months or so. But I mean, either way, I definitely think we'll at least get episodes two and three before the end of this year. Yeah, I would hope so, because like you said, after playing the episode one one, you just couldn't wait for the next one to see what games they're going to have for that. Because like you said, so many possibilities and just hopefully it's the same developers where they know 
how to do the controls right and they're just not giving it to different ones for each movie and maybe ones might not be good as the other hopefully it's all within one uh, developer doing the app yeah that would be nice although i mean if that is the case then it might take them longer um but then again maybe they have different departments you know working on each app with some sort of core creative people overseeing the whole thing they could have been in development for a while too and like yeah. we just haven't heard about it so maybe they have them all out ready to go and they're just waiting for disney or lucasfilm to put them out there yeah, which was surprising to me, too, because, I mean, even with mobile games and iPhone games and stuff, like, some of the more big releases, you know, they'll put out trailers and screenshots and announce that they're making these games, and people will get excited for them. I mean, they have specific forums and gaming websites and stuff that are dedicated just to iPhone games and, you know, mobile phone games and stuff. So, um, you know, they definitely could have got some some hype and some excitement built up for this one, but it was just sort of like, hey, surprise, here you go. Um, and I was like, what is this pod racing? What? <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I was excited about it and I'm, you know, loving the app so far. So hopefully there's some more good ones to come. Yeah. So if you're on the fence about it and thinking maybe seven bucks was a little too much for a Star Wars app, I would recommend it just for the pod racing alone. But then yes. it's just cool to experience the story mode for it too. So I think it's worth it. Yeah. And yeah, I agree with you, Tim. Like the story mode is cool, but it's worth the seven bucks just for the pod racing. Um, and then another small but very tantalizing tidbit of gaming news. Um, we do have confirmation that uh, at their EA or at their E3 press conference this year, EA will be showing some new Star Wars Battlefront information. Um, you know, they haven't said what. We don't know if it's going to be a new trailer, if we'll actually finally see some gameplay footage, if it'll be new screenshots, or if they're just going to talk about it and reveal some new information. But um either way we we know that we are officially going to get something new and uh battlefront related from e3 this year which is exciting but not all that uh not all that surprising because it's like they really revealed their uh their first trailer for it and you know made their announcement last year that they were making it so you would think that now that everybody knows they're making it and is all excited for it you'd think that uh it would seem pretty obvious that they're going to reveal some more information about it this year. But then again, you never know if it's coming along slowly or if they're having problems or something, then maybe we would have to wait a while longer. But it's just good to get some official confirmation. Like, I'm going to definitely be tuning into that EA uh, press conference on Spike or wherever it is. Um, you know, there's always some channel that's showing all that stuff. And I know that there's going to be some Star Wars Battlefront stuff um, appearing during that. So that will be really exciting to see. Yeah, definitely made me more excited for E3 this year. I mean, I'm always excited for E3, but knowing that we're going to get Battlefront for sure, it's like, okay, hurry up and get here now. <laughs> what is that press conference? And, but like you said, just curious to see how much of it they're going to show. I'm kind of expecting to be, maybe they're not going to have it playable on the show floor, but they'll show a new trailer that includes some gameplay footage, early gameplay footage maybe, just kind of give you an idea of what you can expect uh, the graphics to look like and how it's going to play. So yeah, I can't wait to see it now. <laughs> Yeah, and even if they don't have any gameplay footage to show off yet, I mean, even if it's just a cinematic trailer like the ones they did for The Old Republic, yeah. and, um, you know, if they reveal some information about the game, like the types of maps you'll be able to fight on or the types of classes you'll be able to play as, then that stuff combined with a cinematic trailer, I mean, that will in and of itself be really exciting because... I mean, when the, uh, when the Old Republic was in development and they were coming out with the trailers for that, like, they wouldn't show gameplay and obviously the graphics in the trailers looked a lot better than the graphics in the game but 
it did sort of, I mean, aside from just telling the story and showing these really cool CGI fight scenes and stuff, it did sort of show off a little bit of the game in the way that, especially they would like highlight the the characters that sort of represented the certain classes that you could play and play as in the game. So, I mean, in one trailer, you would see a Sith warrior and his companion character, and then, you know, a Jedi Knight and a, you know, more Sith warriors and a bounty hunter. And then the other, in another trailer, you've got a trooper and in another trailer, you've got a smuggler. And so, um, it sort of just highlighted, like, it wasn't all Jedi fighting each other. It sort of highlighted the different roles that all these different classes of troopers and smugglers and bounty hunters and stuff have to play in the game. And so I'm thinking if they do a trailer like that for Battlefront, you know, if they show a big battle between, um, you know, some stormtroopers and some rebels or some clone troopers and some droids, and you see, you know, a soldier run in with his blaster rifle and then somebody sneaks up behind him and one of his own guys like snipes the guy that's coming up behind him. And then, you know, a tank is about to run over him and you see a guy with a rocket launcher take the tank out. And so, you know, just sort of something like that where it could have some really cool visuals and wouldn't even necessarily have to show off gameplay, but could still um, sort of show a, a stylized version of like stuff that you'll be able to do in the game or characters that you'll be able to play as. That would be pretty fun to see. Yeah, and I'm kind of hoping, too, that whatever they do show, it's kind of what you were saying, where maybe it's not going to center on just one planet or aspect of Battlefront. We kind of get, if it's a cinematic trailer or if it's a gameplay trailer, I hope we get to see the different environments, maybe some of the planets and the different uh, troops we'll be able to play as. I'm just hoping it's not like on Hoth, like the first trailer <laughs> we got, and we're just going to see more of that battle. I'm just hoping we see different planets and different troops that we're going to be able to play as. Just show us some more of what we can expect instead of just one planet. That's what I'm hoping for, at least. Yeah, and we'll see. That's one reason why I'm almost... I don't want to say I'm hoping for a cinematic trailer more so than a gameplay trailer, because seeing the gameplay would make me really excited, too. But I think they could maybe show off more in a cinematic trailer. Um, Because they could maybe show multiple battles going on. They could maybe show multiple planets or, yeah, show a lot of different classes in action or show some different vehicles or something. And I get the feeling that, um, you know, if this game is still pretty early on in development, like at this point, I'm not expecting this to come out till next year um, at some point, you know, at the earliest. Hopefully it doesn't get pushed back till 2016 or later. But, um, you know, I'm not expecting the game to come out anytime real soon. So I'm thinking they're still, you know, they've still probably got a lot of work to do on it. And so I'm thinking if we do get to see some gameplay, it'll probably be just like one level on one planet and we'll maybe only get to see one of the classes or maybe, you know, they'll show off a couple different classes. But um, I just get the feeling that if we see a cinematic trailer, they can pack a lot of stuff into that. And if we see gameplay, it'll probably just be a little tease. But I could be wrong. I mean, if they show a ton of gameplay and, uh, you know, they come to E3 and they're like, hey, we've been working real hard over the past year, got a lot of stuff done, and you haven't seen any of it yet. But surprise, here's a whole bunch of new Battlefront stuff. Then I will just be squealing like a little girl with excitement. But, <laughs> um, you know, I mean, whatever it is, I'm just glad that we're going to get to see something new about it. And I'm hoping it's something visual. I mean, whether it's a trailer, you know, a cinematic trailer or a gameplay trailer or just some screenshots, as long as it's not just like, somebody standing up and talking and being like, yeah, we're still working on it. And you'll be able to play as these classes and fly an X-Wing and thank you, have a good E3 and we don't get to see anything new. Then I'll be disappointed. But as long as we get to see something sort of representative of uh, what's going to be in the game, then I'll be pretty excited. All they reveal is just a new logo for it. Okay, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> There's your Battlefront update. <laughs> no. <laughs> 
yeah. But if they had a trailer for last year, yeah, I think it's pretty safe to say we're going to get something new visually, regardless of a cinematic trailer or some gameplay stuff. Either way, we're, we're going to get something new. Yeah, that's what I'm hoping for. So uh, that's all the gaming news. And then um, this was something that I was actually kind of surprised by. Um, the Clone Wars got nominated for four more Emmy Awards this year. Um, and I was surprised not because the show doesn't deserve it. I mean, obviously, it's a great show. We've talked all a lot about how much we love it. And it won, um, I think, three Emmy Awards last year um, for season five. And this had kind of just, like, slipped my notice because, you know, the, with the final season being released on Netflix and it wasn't airing on TV and it was not even a full season, um, you know, I wasn't even thinking about Emmy Awards. I was just glad that we had a final season. I mean, I was thinking as far as TV critics and that kind of thing were concerned, I was like, the show is over and now we're just waiting for our last few bonus episodes that they're putting out as a treat for us fans. And so for those to get nominated for Emmy awards, I was like, Oh sweet. Yeah, sure. I wasn't even thinking about that, but yeah, go ahead nominate them. They deserve it. Um, And it's, it was nominated for special or outstanding special class animated program, uh, which is when it won last year Um, and outstanding individual achievement in animation Outstanding Achievement in Sound Mixing for Animation and Outstanding Achievement in Sound Editing for Animation. Um, so, yeah, I think the, uh, the Emmy Awards take place, or and this is for the Daytime Emmy Awards, um, which is sort of the category that the, uh, that the animated shows get put into along with, you know, talk shows and soap operas and pretty much anything other than like primetime dramas. Um, So you won't be seeing this on, probably not on any of the main network channels and, um, you know, Clone Wars won't be winning an enemy right after like Modern Family or anything like that. But uh, (laughs) these daytime Emmy Awards are on Sunday, June 22nd. uh, So a little more than a month away and we will keep an eye on that and hope they win some more and George Lucas can just pad his trophy case a little bit more. But uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, like I said, we we love this show and uh, certainly deserving of all the awards you can get. Yeah, hopefully it could sweep all four of them. That would be the perfect way to go out. <laughs> yeah, that would be awesome. The one disappointment I had with it was this is probably the last chance, or yeah, definitely is for D. Bradley Baker to get an Emmy nomination for his work as the clones because he's deserved that recognition for a long time. He's done such a phenomenal job with that, and he proved it again in the Order 66 arc. So, I mean, they had some nominations last year for Darth Maul, for Sam Witwer, and David Tennant as Su Yang. So I was hoping they'd get another voice acting nomination for D. Bradley Baker for these episodes, but unfortunately not. But yeah, it's just a shame that he's not going to get recognized for the amazing job he did over those six seasons. Yeah, and I mean, I agree with you there. He's, But you know what? There's a lot of deserving people. Like, he certainly deserves a, a nomination for his work in the Order 66 arc. But then, I mean, you think about Tom Kane in the Yoda arc. Yeah. And, um,. I mean, even, you know, just the work that all these guys do, Matt Lanter and uh, James Arnold Taylor and uh, Corey ba- or Corey Burton and everybody else. I mean, they they should have like an ensemble voice acting cast award and see if the, the Clone Wars crew could win that one. But So I would hope so, man, if they had that. <laughs> It'd be a shame if it wasn't even nominated. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so no nominations in that category this year, but hopefully they win all these other ones that they're nominated for. Yeah, it's, again, since it's its last uh, time we're going to see Clone Wars, hopefully they'll take that into account. Okay, let's uh, since it's not going to be Aaron anymore, let's just give him the awards. <laughs> it's like the <laughs> yeah. favoritism here, I won't care. <laughs> yeah, I'll take it. <laughs> and then, uh, so that's Clone Wars, but then, of course, we've got 
the new show, Star Wars Rebels, coming out, and we finally got our first long look at that uh, series with the trailer that came out on May the 4th. And uh, we've got, you know, the full one-minute trailer uh, with a lot of cool stuff in there. Tim, what did you think of that? Yeah, the trailer was great, but I will say this. I was a little disappointed in that we got a 30-second sneak preview about it beforehand, and the actual trailer was only a minute long. So there wasn't too much, like, brand-new stuff when we actually saw the full trailer. So, Because I was kind of expecting it would be maybe two minutes since we got a 30-second preview. So if I had to complain about anything, it'd probably be that because there wasn't a whole lot of new stuff that we got to see when I actually saw the whole trailer. But So getting that complaining out of the way, the trailer was pretty awesome. I mean, I can't wait for this series. I mean, it looks really cool, and we got to see more of it, each character in motion now. And yeah, they don't look as detailed, certain stuff as the Clone Wars did, but the animation still looks really cool. I mean, the Stormtroopers look awesome. I, I can't get over how cool and shiny mm-hmm. they look in motion. And then Sabine, too, seeing her Mandalorian outfit looks really cool. The detail on the armor is impressing me a lot with Star Wars Rebels. But And this bunch of cool stuff that happened in it. We got to see some cool action. And probably one of my favorite uh, moments that they don't necessarily focus on, but I just thought it was cool to see that the crew of the Ghost somehow gets on a Star Destroyer. I don't know if they get sucked in on a tractor beam or it was intent to get on there, but I can't wait to see how that plays out because you kind of see him on the bridge of a Star Destroyer and then you see the Ghost flying out from a Star Destroyer. So I can't wait to see why they're on there and uh, what type of uh, action is going to take place during that sequence. So, yeah, I'm excited for it. I can't wait. And another cool thing, too, that I love, the reveal of Kanan being a, a Jedi. I just love how it was edited together in this trailer. We'll see if it's like that in the episode where uh, you see just that look that Ezra had when you see Kanan take out his lightsaber. And I just love how he has to hide it and puts the pieces together to ignite it. Kanan, after he ignites it, then you see that shot of Ezra. He has like this look of awe on his face, like, wow, it's like a, a Jedi. <laughs> I just love how it was edited together that way. So hopefully it'll be like that in the episode. But yeah, this trailer definitely <laughs> just made me more excited for the show as if I couldn't be excited enough for it. So it did its job. Yeah, and one other thing that uh, I noticed in there that made me even more excited, Wookiees. Yes. And uh, we even, I I know a lot of people had pointed this out um, even before the trailer came out on uh, on May 4th, but like in the days leading up to it, they had revealed a couple of screenshots from the trailer just sort of as a little teaser. And in one of the, in one of those screenshots, you see a bunch of stormtroopers firing sort of off screen, you know, we presume they're firing at, Kanan and you know our group of heroes but then in the background you see some Wookiees and it looks like they're enslaved and of course um you know in the back sort of in the backstory I guess of Star Wars there's uh, sort of a long history of like Wookiees being enslaved by the Empire and that sort of thing so um you know we got a glimpse of that but then also in the trailer itself towards the end you see like Ezra and uh, I think it's this Agent Callus guy this Imperial officer they're sort of facing off on this bridge and then you get a cool shot of like the ghost coming up and, and Kanan is standing on top of it with his lightsaber. But Kane, or, uh, Ezra standing on the bridge um, facing off against Kalos, he's got a young Wookiee with him like uh, Gunji in Clone Wars. And I was like, yes, we're getting another Wookiee kid. I'm going to love <laughs> seeing that. So um, that was something I got excited about. But you know what? I mean, I did love the trailer and it was cool to see you know, some more stuff from the show and get more of a glimpse of it. I wasn't like absolutely blown away by it though. I wasn't as excited as I usually am after seeing a new trailer for a season of Clone Wars. 
Um, and I think part of that is because like you said, it's, um, you know, it was only a minute long and I was hoping it might be like two or three minutes. Also, it was kind of maybe just this is something that uh, I was being nitpicky about, but I thought it was a little, little annoying that they had like sort of the kids channel cartoon announcer guy talking over the whole thing where he's like, this fall heroes will unite and take on an empire and blah, blah, blah. And in the back, you know, as he's talking, it's just a bunch of action shots um, and you don't really get a sense of the story. Whereas, I mean, for Clone Wars, even in the trailers we would get before the season, you just you'd kind of get some brief snippets of like what the stories were going to be about. You know, you'd hear Yoda saying like, "Oh, we need to go to war on Mon Calamari," or uh, you know, something like that, where they'd be talking. Yeah. You'd kind of get a little bit of a sense of what was going on in these episodes. Um, and I didn't really get that sense here. I was just like, okay, yeah, they're trying to get people excited about it and make it look cool. And it's star Wars and there's rebels and there's stormtroopers. But I still, I, I think maybe my one thing that I wouldn't say that, uh, I'm you know skeptical about or disappointed or anything. Cause obviously I'm going to watch the show and find this out, but I still don't really know what it's going to be on a week to week basis. Mm. Um, you know, we know that the show is going to be, um, you know, more continuous than Clone Wars was like every episode is just going to take place in sequence after the others. And it's going to just sort of be this continuing story following the crew of the ghost. But I'm like, what are they exactly going to be doing from week to week? Are they just going to be sabotaging the empire? Are they going to be trying to build up more rebels? Is there going to be sort of a more, um, you know, a continuing storyline throughout the season or is every episode just going to sort of be its own little adventure with them off doing something. Um, so I would have liked to see a little bit more story from the trailer and have that reveal a little bit more of um, what's going to be going on in the show. Um, and you know, I guess it sort of helped to temper my expectations a little bit because also after watching episode three and realizing how much I love the clone wars and how much that impacted revenge of the Sith. And then watching this trailer, I was like, you know what? I don't think I'm going to like Rebels as much as Clone Wars, but I'm okay with that because it still looks like a lot of fun. It still looks like a good show, and I'm just going to watch it and enjoy it for what it is. And if it proves me wrong and totally blows me away and ends up being better than Clone Wars, then you know more power to them because then I get an even better Star Wars series to be excited about. Um, but one thing, one other thing from the trailer that I did want to mention, um, and you talked about how great the animation looked and in particular how great the Stormtroopers looked. When I first, the first time I watched that trailer, um, and I can't remember if it was, I might've been watching like the short preview of it on my phone. Maybe that's what it was. I think like when they released the 15 second teaser for it or something, um, I think I watched it on my phone or at least like on a website that had a smaller embedded player or something. And you get like a couple shots of the animation of like the crew of the ghost. And then you see that shot where it's just some stormtroopers marching down the hallway of a Star Destroyer. And I kind of did a double take because I am not kidding when I say at first, I thought that was a shot from the movie. I was like, are they intercutting this with, you know, footage from rebels and sort of trying to tie it into the movies by showing shots from a new hope and showing like what the empire will become. And then I was like, no, those are actually stormtroopers like from the show. And um, you know, again, I think I watched it on my phone, so it was a little hard to tell, but just the, the sort of that Imperial aesthetic of, you know, the hallways of the Star Destroyer or the Imperial base or wherever they were looked exactly like they did in the movies and, uh, kind of a cool detail to note too, like the difference between the stormtroopers and the clone troopers, the stormtroopers armor is a lot more shiny. Yeah. <laughs> um, the, the clone troopers look like in the movie, even it had almost a more ceramic look to it. 
Um, and then, of course, in the Clone Troopers, they, or in the Clone Wars, they had sort of their own unique sort of painted um, art style that they had going on. But just the way that the Stormtrooper armor in this trailer was, like, so shiny and reflective, I was like, wait, are those, you know, at first, like I said, I thought it was movie footage at first. And then I realized, no, they just did such a good job sort of replicating that look. So that was something that got me excited. I was like, if anything, this is at least going to look and feel like Star Wars. Oh, yeah, no doubt about that. And it's also cool, too. We got our first glimpse and sound of the Inquisitor, too. I like that's how where the trailer ended on, where, like, you see the, the Imperial office saying, like, we like found, like, a small rebel faction, and they all like, you were wise to call me. <laughs> uh, his voice sounds really good. I know there's still everyone's wanting to hear who's doing his voice, and Lucasfilm's not saying who it is just quite yet, but I didn't personally recognize it as anyone uh, famous or an actor who we've heard before, so... But it sounded good, and the Inquisitor looks really cool. I love how he had the lightsaber like click to his back of <laughs> the armor he was wearing. It wasn't mm-hmm. on his hip or anything like pretty much all Jedi and Sith do. But he looks like a cool character, and I was, I guess I was hoping a little bit we would see him some type of action with him in this trailer. But at the same time, I thought it ended the trailer in a cool way, where just revealing him in the hologram. So it's good that we finally got our first look in the sound of the Inquisitor. Yeah, that was something that kind of surprised me, too. I was expecting to see more of him in that trailer, especially because in all the sort of marketing and promotional material they released so far, they pretty much make him look like the main villain of the show. Um, and so I was expecting to see him fighting Kanan or something like that. But the fact that they saved him for the end and the Inquisitor is just talking to him, or the um, Agent Callus is just talking to him uh, through a hologram, I was like, huh, I wonder if he's even going to show up in the first couple episodes or if... It's going to start with, you know, the rebels making trouble for just the regular Imperial officers and stormtroopers, and then the Inquisitor is going to come show up. So um, it should be interesting to see how he's revealed in the show and sort of how they start building him up as a villain, too. Yeah, I'm guessing that might be the last shot of the episode, too, where I'm guessing everything from this trailer is from the one hour special that we're going to get. And maybe that's kind of like the setup for the next episode where the Inquisitor is going to make his presence known to the rebels. And another thing that I got from this trailer, too, because I was kind of wondering like, how much of the crew of the Ghosts are going to know each other beforehand. Are we going to pick up different members as the series goes along? But from what I gather, it looks like the, everyone except Ezra is already part of the crew. Because you got that quote from the trailer where Ezra is asking, like, who are you guys? And Sabine's all like, we're a team. And we get that shot of Sabine and Kanan like, on the cockpit, or not the cockpit, but... Uh, the cargo bay of the ghost and then we see we know Hera that the ghost is hers so we know she's already a member of there so I guess the only question mark maybe will be Zeb but I'm kind of expecting him to be already a crew member there also so it looks like Ezra is going to be the only new recruit they're going to pick up along the way as the, we see in the first one hour special so I mean, maybe I'm wrong maybe some other characters get picked up earlier before Ezra and they just uh, refer to themselves at the team at the very end once they're all together but I just got that impression that Ezra is going to be the only new uh, crew member on the ghost that we get introduced to in the one hour special well and you know what I've kind of had that impression for a while even just from like the first couple of um, you know like the short teasers that they came out with a while ago where you see Ezra kind of by himself in a field and he looks up and sees the ghost flying overhead you know shooting a TIE fighter like I kind of have this impression that it was going to sort of focus on this young kid joining up with this crew of rebels that was already together and fighting the empire and stuff. So um, I think that's kind of a good way for them to approach it. And I mean, in that way, it'll sort of be 
he'll he'll sort of be in a similar role to how Ahsoka was in the Clone Wars, where for younger viewers, like that's sort of their entry point into this world. Like they can sort of follow Ezra as he's joining up with this crew and they're already all together and he's got to kind of figure stuff out and learn the ropes. Um, just like, you know, in the Clone Wars, we saw Ahsoka become Anakin's Padawan, but we didn't see, well, for example, we didn't see Anakin, uh, go from Padawan to Jedi Knight, um, which I was kind of surprised by. Like, I would have liked to see that transition either in like a flashback episode or just at the beginning of the Clone Wars, maybe see a little bit more of Anakin and Obi-Wan's relationship, um, as master and apprentice and then see Anakin get promoted to Jedi Knight. But of course, you know, they start off the series where Anakin's already a Jedi Knight and they just introduce Ahsoka right into the middle of the fray. And, um, you know, we sort of get introduced to this whole war that's going on through her perspective almost. So I think it's going to be the same thing with Ezra and Rebels. Yeah, for Ezra, I always kind of knew, like you said, he wasn't going to be like starting off as a crew of the ghosts. But I was always questioning, like, how many other members are going to like start off when the series begins as part of the ghosts and maybe they'll pick some like Zabine or Zeb later on in other episodes. But yeah, I could, what you said about Ezra, I think it's going to be the same thing with Ahsoka. We're going to see him grow and he's going to be kind of like uh, our visual guide as the series goes along. We're going to be looking through his eyes as like, I've seen him progress and probably mature. And I'm kind of expecting the same thing with Ahsoka in a way where maybe he's going to be a little annoying as this kid, but as the series goes on, uh, he'll start to mature more and become more like, I guess how a Jedi is supposed to be under his, uh, tutelage of Kanan so yeah it should be cool to see his progression if the series lasts as long as the Clone Wars did hopefully it will yeah hopefully and like you said I'm expecting that same sort of progression and everything from him um not even in terms of him being annoying but I'm thinking like I think my problem with Ahsoka in some of the early seasons of Clone Wars was like you know they kept talking about how oh she's a youngling and uh you know she's young to be a Padawan and all that but she was like 14 and and again this is drawing from the eu which we know now like isn't even canon anymore but there were some books where you know obi-wan got chosen as qui-gon's apprentice at like 13 and that was really old so yeah i'm like why does everybody think ahsoka's so young but then at the same time i did feel like she was kind of too young to be given some of the responsibilities that they gave her like when you see a, a 14 year old girl fighting general grievous i'm like come on really like she shouldn't be that powerful and then it got to the point i mean they progressed her enough as a character to the point where like at the end of the series, I totally bought into it. And um, I mean, one of my biggest fears of the Clone Wars was that they were going to promote Ahsoka to Jedi Knight at the end of the series, which like, you know, I was thinking she's 14 at the beginning. She can't be older than like 17 or 18 at the end of the series. And that's like, you know, super young to be a Jedi Knight. And I just really hope they don't go that route. And then, of course, like I said, they developed her more over the seasons to the point where I could believe in her actually being that powerful and stuff. To the point where in the in what we thought was going to be the series finale in The Wrong Jedi, when she's standing before the Jedi Council at the end, um, and you know after she's gone through her trial and everything, and they're trying to bring her back into the Order, I thought they were going to promote her to Jedi Knight. And I was like, you know what, at this point, I would actually be okay with that even though she'd still be really young for it. Like she's gone through enough stuff that she has earned that. And, you know, she's not just like an annoying little kid anymore. And I wouldn't be, you know, mad or outraged and I wouldn't find it hard to believe. Like, I think I could actually buy into that. And then of course that's not how it went, but um, I'm kind of getting the same feeling with Ezra here. Like we've seen some shots already, um, not like screenshots from episodes, but in some of the promotional stuff, you see him and he's already got a lightsaber and he's fighting the Inquisitor. And I'm like, this kid is just barely discovering that he has force powers and, you know, Kanan's going to start trying to guide him through it and help him figure it out. But, 
you know, he's going to have a lightsaber and be fighting the main bad guy already? Really? Like, I don't know if I want to see that happen that quickly, but I'm hoping that by the time that does happen and then, you know, as they progress throughout the seasons, I can buy into it more and be like, okay, you know what? I like this kid as a character. He's more believable and more powerful than I thought he'd be. And, you know, I'll just enjoy the ride. So we'll have to see how that all goes. But yeah, I mean, knowing that this is Dave Filoni and a lot of people who worked on Clone Wars, I'm like, yeah, it's in safe hands. Even if they do some stuff at the beginning that I might question, I'm like, I know that that all worked out for the best in the end with Clone Wars. So I'm going to stick with this one too. Yeah. I mean, his track record speaks for himself. So (laughs) (laughs) yeah, pretty confident with that. They're going to make the right decisions for the most part with all these characters. And even like you said with Ahsoka, I kind of thought they handled it pretty much as well as they could have with her fighting Grievous and being in some situations where maybe she would show her inexperience. And they did do that for the most part, I thought, where, like, yeah, there was no way she could be Grievous. And she didn't. She had to, like, escape and run away from him in order to get out of their lives. So I think, the yeah, like you said, with Dave Filoni at the helm and Greg Wiseman, who's shown him that he can do tons of great stuff with characters they're gonna handle ezra in a way that's not gonna make you go oh come on that's how can we believe that so <laughs> i just can't wait to see it play out because like you said we've seen those promotional arts or artwork of him fighting the inquisitor and just makes you wonder what's gonna be that situation is he like caught against like a, is he up against the wall where he has no way out and there's the only way to get out is try to fight the inquisitor and somehow get lucky and escape or is he going to be brash and just go like Oh, don't worry, I'll take on the Inquisitor. You guys escape. And so, yeah, it just makes you wonder how is that all going to play out and just what type of character is he going to be. So, again, more speculation that we just have to be patient and wait for the series to premiere. Yeah, and something else that's exciting, um, we actually did get, um, I guess you could call this official confirmation, that there will be characters from... Uh, from the films, you know, from the six Star Wars movies in Star Wars Rebels. Yeah. Uh, we don't know who they are yet, although there's a lot of rumor going around about that. Um, like there was a, a leaked image of, um, you know, just like some Disney marketing material and it had a bunch of Star Wars action figures on it. And one of the action figures that they had a picture of was Obi-Wan Kenobi, but it was done in a Star Wars rebel style. Um, and it kind of looked, you know, he, he basically looks like he's somewhere in between um Clone Wars in episode three and episode four, like he's, uh, you can't even see like all of his body cause he's just got the long Brown tunic kind of covering up all of them. Um, and his hair and his beard looks a little longer and more shaggy, but it's not all gray. It's still kind of Brown. So, um, you know, I'm like, is that just an action figure they decided to do in the style of rebels? Or are we going to see Obi-Wan Kenobi at some point? That certainly seems like it's a possibility. Um, also there are a lot of rumors about Lando going around, um, I think for one thing, like Billy D. Williams and his manager or publicist or somebody kind of let a little bit the stuff slip um, at a Comic-Con or something that they were at recently. Um, and then uh, there was also, I guess, Star Wars Insider posted something on Facebook and said, uh, so we've all seen the intriguing Star Wars Rebels trailer and then watched it several times over again. Now you've got a feel for it. Are you going to be tuning into the first episode? CG former or in the flesh, we're on cloud nine. Well, level one through 50 of Cloud City, which we hear is even better, having Lando back on our screens. And we didn't see Lando in the trailer, but again, it just seems to be this sort of thing that's going around the internet that people are uh, seeming pretty sure of themselves that Lando is going to be in this as well. Um, And then there was an interview uh, that Simon Kinberg did with Collider.com just here recently, and they talked with him about Star Wars Rebels. He's like doing his press tour for uh, X-Men Days of Future Past right now because he's the executive producer of that movie. But, um, 
you know, he's or he's either executive producer or writer. I'm not sure, but he's involved both with that actually, movie. So he's, yeah. Oh, okay, he's doing both on that. Yeah, he's doing a lot of stuff with like yeah. the X Men and Star Wars and some other projects that he's working on. But um, so you know, he was doing the press tour for that. But then they uh, they asked him about Star Wars and Rebels and everything, and um, you know, he sort of gave some a, a few more details on that. But when they specifically asked like, how does it feel to write be writing dialogue for Lando, he kind of dodged the question, but he didn't say like where'd you hear that lando's yeah. not gonna be in the three. he didn't deny that but he just said that uh writing dialogue for any of the legacy characters or you know the characters from the star wars movies was like a huge thrill for him and it was as exciting and surreal as anything he's ever done in his career and so you know he could have just been sort of dodging the lando question saying like oh yeah he's you know i'm just gonna call him a legacy character because i'm not gonna confirm or deny that lando's in it yet or he could be saying like you know in sort of a roundabout way saying like well it's not just lando i'm getting to write for you know more um more of the original trilogy uh, characters than just lando so that's pretty exciting too um so i mean Whoever it ends up being, that remains to be seen, but uh, it sure would be cool to see that in there. And especially seeing the Wookiees, I'm like, are we going to see Han and Chewie team up for the first time? That would be pretty awesome to see. And I know Dave Filoni was adamant on Clone Wars about not including a young Han Solo and you know wanting to um, sort of not give that character the same type of treatment that they did with uh, Boba Fett in Attack of the Clones because that didn't go over well with some fans. So he's like, yeah, Han Solo is a fan favorite. We're just going to kind of leave him alone and we don't need to go into a young Han Solo backstory. But obviously Han would be a lot older at this point and kind of closer to how he is in uh, A New Hope. So that would be kind of cool to see if they did decide to bring him in at some point. Um, who knows, maybe we'll even see the game that he beats Lando at to win the Millennium Falcon. But I think uh, it'd be It'd be cool to see him actually if they go this route, even though it was mainly the EU, but have him him and Chewie meet for the first time where he was an Imperial um, Stormtrooper or an Imperial TIE Fighter pilot or an Imperial officer. And he sees uh, Chewie as like a Wookiee slave and he helps him, he frees him. And then that's how Chewie gets the light debt with Han. So I think if they are going to bring those two in, that's what I want to see the most, seeing the first meeting between Han and Chewie. But for the Lando stuff, I'm going to be kind of where like, where it becomes announced where Lando's going to be in Rebels, I'm not going to be too surprised. It's becoming one of those rumors where, like, you're just waiting to hear the official confirmation because you're hearing it from different sources. Like you said, even Billy D. Williams has made some comments on it. So you're just like, okay, let's just wait for the official announcement. And when it does happen, great. But at the same time, I won't be super shocked. But it will just be cool to have uh, more original trilogy characters being Rebels. And going back to the Obi-Wan thing, I mean, if that is true, when those – there was that figure, that photo of the figure of Obi-Wan from Rebels. I mean, that's the ultimate <laughs> to have Obi-Wan appear in this show. That'd be awesome. That James Arnold Taylor come back. It just makes me think how they're going to work that in there somehow if they're going to go to Tatooine because I don't picture Obi-Wan leaving Tatooine for anything, so it makes me think that they'd have to go to him. And Yeah, that'd just be awesome to have him come back as that. But the other interesting thing about that Simon Kinnenberg interview was that he revealed the amount of episodes that's going to be in the first season, and it's going to be 16. And when I first heard that, I was like, oh, that's disappointing. It's not going to be the 22 that we're so used to with Clone Wars. But at the same time, I thought, well, it's going to be different from Clone Wars, where it's not going to be three- or four-part arcs. So it might seem like maybe the same amount where we just get these self-contained episodes. Sure, we might get a two-parter here and there, but for the most part, they're going to be standalone episodes, which is going to differ it, make it different from Clone Wars. So... When I thought about it, I was like, okay, it's not too bad. It might 
kind of add up being the same where the amount of actual stories we get are going to be equal, maybe even more for Rebels. But um, I, at first hearing, I was like, oh, a little disappointed. That's not going to be that much. But then at the end, it's like, okay, 16 should be good. Because majority of shows, at least animated ones, sometimes they only get 13. So <laughs> 16 should be a fair amount. So at least it's cool to that we finally got confirmation of what to expect for a season. Yeah, and you know, it was kind of weird. Like, I wasn't disappointed that it was a, a low number of episodes or anything, but I just thought 16 seemed like an odd number. I was like, how did they come to that? Yeah. <laughs> you know, how did they come to that decision? Because, like you said, a lot of TV shows nowadays either have 13 episode seasons or 22. Or, um, I mean, some of the higher ones, like, uh, it's usually either between 22 and 26 or, yeah. you know, something like that. Or in the lower numbers, it's, you know, maybe like, somewhere between 11 and 13. But I was like, I don't think I've ever seen a show with a 16 episode season before. That's kind of odd. Um, I just hope too. It's spread out good with the scheduling. It's not like we get three episodes then we got to get a long break and then we get a few more and then another long break. Hopefully they have a, be- a good scheduling to get these episodes out. Yeah. And I was wondering, I was like, does that mean, you know, are they still going to kind of spread it out between the fall and like next March or April? Yeah. Or are they just going to, kind of cram it all in in the first half of the year and like go nonstop with no breaks and we'll just be done by like Christmas time or something or are they just gonna you know go till January or February or something like that just till they run out of episodes I don't know we'll see but uh and Simon Kinberg also was talking about his role on the show and um how he he said he's written the first two episodes and the last episode um and that they're in production on the season finale right now um, and also he talked about like the one hour special that they're airing and he said, it's basically just two episodes back to back. And so those are the first two episodes that he wrote. Um, and so when we do finally get to see that, it'll just be the first two episodes. And I guess that'll be on Disney channel. So then we'll just have the next 14 to watch on Disney XD. Um, but you know, obviously still no new information about a release date or anything. So we'll just have to see that when that comes out. But, um, one other thing I was going to mention when you brought up Obi-Wan, and like maybe the crew will go to Tatooine and meet up with him. But I thought about that. And like at first I was like, you know, what? I don't really see Obi-Wan leaving Tatooine either. But then I was like, you know what? For a guy who's accustomed to, you know, being a Jedi, traveling the galaxy and fighting in wars and stuff, like 20 years is a long time to stay on the same planet, especially on a <laughs> desert planet with nothing to do. And if you think about it, in A New Hope, he, uh, you know, when he and Luke go to Mos Eisley, like he's obviously familiar with. Um, you know, not just the city, but he talks about Moss Eisley Spaceport and they go to the cantina and he says most of the best pilots are, you know, you can find them here. So I'm like, well, maybe he's traveled off world before. And so he knows the best spaceport to go to and the best bar to go to to find a good pilot to get him off the planet if he ever needs to, you know, take a break from sand everywhere that is <laughs> coarse and rough and irritating and gets everywhere. So, um, you know, at first I was like, yeah, I can't really see Obi-Wan off planet. And then I thought about that. I was like, well, I guess it actually kind of would make sense in the context of the story in the movies. Like, you know, he, he drops a couple of hints that maybe he's been off world at least once or twice. Because um, <laughs> he says he's going to stay on Tatooine and watch over Luke. But like once you see him just kind of sitting out there moisture farming and whining at his uncle and going to the Tashi station to pick up some power converters, it's like, OK, the kid's in good hands. Like what else is there to do around here? 
And maybe, too, he had to kind of figure out for when the day does come where Luke is old enough, he's going to take him out off of Tatooine to begin his Jedi training. Maybe he had to explore different options on the best way to get off of Tatooine, get familiar with some of the pilots and their spaceships, or maybe some of the surrounding planets in the system or something like that. So maybe they can go that way or just kind of plan for the future for when him and Luke do leave Tatooine. Yeah. So, I mean, that would be pretty interesting, too. And I hope if he does show up, I hope it's a surprise. Because obviously, you know, we're still kind of expecting that he's just there on Tatooine. So if the crew of the Ghost goes to some other planet and just happens to run into Obi-Wan in the bar or something like that, it'd be like, oh, what are you doing here? You know, obviously they won't know who he is, but we as the audience will. And that would be pretty cool to see. Yeah, and it's going to be somewhere he recognizes Kanan as like a young Padawan. And like he's happy to see that he survived the Jedi Purge or something like that. I wonder if they'll have like a recognition with each other, or at least they'll be one to Kanan. Yeah, or if they don't recognize each other, I mean, it could be cool to just see them sort of meet for the first time and sort of trade stories. Like, oh, how did you survive Order 66? Yeah, yeah see, now I'm really hoping he's in it. <laughs> the toy that they're making. Yeah, and then there was also, um, there have been a couple different interviews, actually. Um, like there was one that Vanessa Marshall did with uh, IGN and she's just talking about playing Hera and how big of a Star Wars fan she is and um, getting to work on the show. There's an interview, uh, this is like a short video interview with um, Tia Surkar and Taylor Gray who play Sabine and Ezra and they're at the Radio Disney Music Awards and they just kind of are on the red carpet and they talked about Rebels for a little bit. Um, and you know, so those interviews are out there online and on our Twitter page and stuff, if you guys want to check them out. But the one other interview I want to talk about is one that, uh, Dave Filoni did with empire.com and, uh, or empireonline.com. And of course they're talking about clone wars and, uh, or yeah, they're talking about rebels, but then they talk about the, the clone wars and, um, the possibility of like tying that in and wrapping up some loose ends that Dave Filoni didn't get to wrap up in the clone Wars series. And, of course, he doesn't give away anything concrete, but does sort of hint at it. Like, he says, on the one hand, like, he doesn't want to add too many Clone Wars references in there because he wants to have Rebels stand alone as its own show. And because he's working with uh, Greg Wiseman and Simon Kinberg, and they didn't work on uh, Clone Wars, so, you know, he doesn't want it to feel like, oh, hey, guys, like, I worked on this other show, so we should include more of my stuff in here, like... They wanted to just sort of be its own show and be able to stand on its own. But at the same time, he's like, yeah, Greg and Simon have watched Clone Wars and they like it. And of course, the fans are out there and they all want to know what happens in Clone Wars. And, uh, you know, they know that I was involved in that and I'm working on Rebels. So they kind of are expecting me to add some stuff in there. And so he does say that he's sort of, you know, considering the possibilities and looking at adding some stuff in there and trying to do it when he can, but just not do too much of it. So, um you know, I would definitely expect to see some connections to Clone Wars in there as we go along, and I don't know if that'll mean seeing Ahsoka or Cad Bane or any other original characters or, you know, finding out how the clone troopers get integrated into the Empire, but I'm sure we'll see some connections there at some point. Yeah, I'm expecting it too. I mean, he's not going to come out and say it, but how he's wording certain things, it just makes you realize it's going to be a matter of time before they show up. Because the one quote I look at from this interview where he says, uh, I think people would be disappointed if there wasn't some connection. So it's like, you kind of, it's in the back of his head where you're like, he knows eventually it's going to have to happen. There's going to have to be some connection in there. So even though he's not saying it now, I'm still pretty confident that we'll see some Clone Wars stuff tied in there. Maybe it's not, I'm not expecting like, oh, he's going to wrap up Rex's storyline and we'll know what happened to Ahsoka and Adventurous and all that. He's not going to do everyone, but I think we're going to get a few of those uh, questions answered and characters be in there. But the question I've been waiting for is like, 
find someone's interview on Empire Online just straight out asks, will Darth Vader and Palpatine appear at all? <laughs> yep, that was the next question I was scrolling down to. Yep, it was like kind of the same thing with the Clone Wars question. He's all, I can't say specifically, but uh, he went on to say that this is a period where uh, it's a dominant time for the Emperor and Darth Vader. But from what I grasp from what he said in there, he kind of said some things where he compared Emperor Palpatine to being like in A New Hope, where you heard his name, but you didn't actually see him. And I got the vibe that that's what they're planning to do for Rebels, where we're not going to see pretty much of Palpatine, but we're going to hear of him. And like we already mentioned in the WonderCon panel, we're not going to see Coruscant, but we'll hear of it. So he's kind of made it for Palpatine, where we're probably not going to see him, but he didn't straight out say it. But he didn't make that same comparison to Vader, I believe, where it's like we're not going to see him or we're just going to hear of him. I kind of took it where maybe Palpatine's not going to be the one we'll see, but eventually we are going to see Vader. Because, I mean, we speculated about this and talked about it since Rebels got announced where Vader's going to show up. And it's just a matter of how he's going to show up and when. So, again, I'm glad someone just straight up asked him. And, of course, he didn't uh, say it. And this is even his first response where he says, I can't say specifically. That's kind of the, you know, I can't confirm it. But, yeah, it probably will happen. So, for me, what I took with this, I expect Vader to show up, but maybe not necessarily Palpatine, even though his presence will be felt. Yeah, well, you know what? I think we'll see Palpatine show up at some point, too. And, you know, I just want to read this response to this. It might be kind of long, but I, I read this and I just thought this was so cool to hear him say this and finally, like, address these guys directly and talk about it. Um, and, you know, so they say, well, Darth Vader and Palpatine appear at all. He says, I can't say, I can't say specifically. All I can say is that this time period between episodes three and four is a dominant time period for the Emperor and Darth Vader, for that matter. They control the galaxy through fear and our rebels are insignificant to them. But it is to their own undoing that they don't recognize the spirit of individuals and what that spirit could add up to in the fight against the Empire. So there's a presence of power, of physical fear and power, which the Empire represents. You know, I always think about the Emperor because in A New Hope they talked about the Emperor, but you never saw him. And then in Empire, you got a glimpse of him in a hologram, but you didn't really know who he was. So finally, when he reveals himself, I almost thought as a kid, wow, he's just an old guy with a cane. And I remember that when he confronts Luke Skywalker, he doesn't actually use his cane anymore. And he walks across and you realize that he's very manipulative and very evil and he's the master string puller and web weaver. That's the Emperor that I want to have, and Simon and Greg do also, in Rebels. We want to have an Emperor that's behind the scenes and so lofty in his power that it would take a lot to bring that spider out and down into the web that he's woven. Our Rebels are little flies, and they hit the web, they hit the web string and it plucks it. So first you get a certain level of Imperial Officer after you. Then if you cause a bigger vibration, then you get a, you get a bigger level. Maybe an Inquisitor shows up. You've got to really start to undo the web before you get to Vader and ultimately the Emperor. And, you know, good luck to our guys if they draw that kind of attention. So to me, that's saying something where <laughs> I, I think maybe we will get to see the Emperor, but it'll be a ways down the line and it'll be, um, you know, obviously it'll have to be something big where like these rebels are causing some big trouble from the, for, for the Empire and uh, – you know, even like we were saying with the trailer, we didn't even see the Inquisitor in there because it seems like at first it's mostly just focused on 
this officer, Agent Callis, and the stormtroopers and the rebels are causing problems for them. And eventually, you know, they cause so much trouble that the, the sort of the, the low level grunts of the Empire can't handle it on their own. So the Inquisitor is going to come in. And then once they become too much for the Inquisitor to handle, Vader's going to show up. And then if they really cause a lot of trouble, then, you know, maybe we'll finally see Palpatine doing something about it. And you know what I would love to see is if that happens, if that has something to do with the Death Star. Like yeah. <laughs> maybe even like maybe in the series finale or something, um, if this does tie right into a new hope and let's say Kanan and Ezra and all these guys are the ones who managed to steal the Death Star plans, like maybe, uh, you know, they're actually on the Death Star as it's nearing completion and Palpatine is there overseeing the final stages of its construction or something like that. Um, but yeah, obviously something that is of big importance and maybe something that, where they're actually like posing a big threat to the empire um, or something that could really put a dent in Palpatine's plans. If they succeeded, like you could see him showing up to, to deal with that personally. Um, so that was kind of cool. I mean, I would love to see Vader and the emperor built up like that to where, you know, maybe we'll see the inquisitor talking to Vader via hologram before we ever see Vader show up in person. And so it'll sort of be like, they're climbing this chain of command and, um, you know, the rebels are drawing like more and more attention from the higher ups as they cause more trouble for the empire. So as much as I would love to see Darth Vader in the first episode and just hear the Imperial March again, I think him making us wait a little bit and sort of making the heroes deserve it, um, you know, and sort of cause enough trouble that they finally earn Darth Vader's attention, I think is going to make it even more worth the wait to finally see when he shows up. Yeah, I mean... Like you, like you described, and how he said in the comments of the question, it sounds like they have it all mapped out pretty good as far as how they want to introduce Vader if they do get to that. And all I can say though is I hope they get the chance to. I mean, if it is planned for a series finale type thing, that I just hope it's able to come to fruition and they don't get the rug pulled out from under them and the show gets canned before they're able to do this because it has the potential to be something really awesome to see. And yeah, I just can't wait if it does happen. But as you said to have the heroes earn that and were for them to cause such a big enough ruckus against the empire and problems for them to get Vader and Palpatine's attention. That's the best way to do it. They kind of have to work their way up the totem pole. So to speak, you start with like an Imperial officer, like agent Callis, then you get the inquisitor. And then they cause enough trouble for him. You get to Vader. So it sounds like they have their idea in place, how they wanted to go about. And yeah, I just hope they get the chance to do that. <laughs> and I just have been thinking about it too. If Vader does come in to the episode and he's, or to the series and does a few episodes. I wonder if they get Matt Lanter to do the voice. I mean, of course, they'll have enough uh, voice effects to make him sound like Vader, but I guess for the acting performances, if they'll ever uh, get Matt Lanter back to do it, I think that'd be cool. Huh. Yeah, I don't know. I've never really thought about that. Um, I don't necessarily think they would, just because, I mean, Darth Vader in the suit doesn't sound anything like Anakin Skywalker. And even in, uh, like, I'm pretty sure in Revenge of the Sith, like, when Vader has his last few lines at the end, like, they had James Earl Jones do that, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah, and so, see, I would think, I mean, if they can't get James Earl Jones to do it, I think they should get the guy who did the voice of Vader in The Force Unleashed, because, I mean, that was really good. They had some great voice performances in that game, because between the guy who did Vader and Sam were doing The Emperor, I mean, those two were just spot on. Yep. <laughs> Uh, heck, let's get Sam Whitmer to do it, maybe. <laughs> well, let's get Sam Whitmer to do Palpatine, please. Yeah. I mean, no <laughs> offense to Tim Curry, but, I mean, Sam Whitmer is just so good at that. Yeah, he'd be the next ideal choice to do that. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, you wouldn't even expect it either. Like, 
you know, when I first found out, wait, the guy who plays Starkiller also does the voice of Palpatine? Like, what? He must be really good at doing voices. Yeah, I was shocked. I was like, I think that's a misprint or something when I read that. I was like, that can't be true. I think they just got the information wrong. But no, yeah, it's like, it does such an amazing job. That you just wouldn't believe it. Yeah, and I saw him in person at his panel at Celebration 6, and he did that voice, um, you know, during, like, the Q&A session. Somebody asked him about doing voices or playing Palpatine or something, and he uh, he did one of Palpatine's lines from The Force Unleashed, and I was like, yes, that is so good. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, man, it sounds like, like I said before, the end game for Rebels sounds so promising. It could be so cool with how it's going to build up to Vader and Palpatine and hopefully up to A New Hope that I just really hope they get the chance to tell that story because it has the potential to be something really, really cool that could tie into A New Hope. Yeah, of course, look at this. I mean, the show hasn't even aired yet. Yeah. We don't even know when the air date is yet for the season premiere, and we're already speculating about the finale. But, um, and then if this isn't the finale and they just bring Palpatine and Vader in there through the like season three or something in the middle of this series, I mean, if this has something big for that, imagine what the finale is going to be. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, again, I think we'll see Vader before we see Palpatine. So we could see Vader in season three or four and save Palpatine for the end of the last season, but... Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, like I said, we're kind of getting ahead of ourselves here, but just, uh, you know, obviously we're both excited for it and, um, just hoping that the show ends up being as good and as much fun as we hope it'll be. So, um, you know, I think we're just about ready to wrap it up for this week, but hopefully we will, uh, in the near future, get some more details about Rebels and, uh, you know, obviously episode seven, we look forward to more casting announcements and things like that. Um, Tim, you want to add anything before we finish up? I think we got everything pretty much covered. I mean, just again, we're back to the waiting game of what the next announcement's going to be. <laughs> we got the casting stuff, we got the Rebels trailer, so we'll just have to wait and see what comes next. And, but I'll definitely be here and excited to hear about it <laughs> when yeah. it does happen. Yeah, for sure. And at least now we know, like, it probably won't be too long. Because yeah. with the casting announcement, I mean, we were waiting for that for months, and it was like pretty much from the beginning of this year up till, you know, this month, it was like, it could drop any day now. And we have no idea when it's going to be. Of course, looking back on it now, it's like in the early days when we were waiting for it. Yeah. They hadn't even started casting yet, aside from having already signed the original, uh, you know, Han and Luke and Leia. But um, now that we know, like they've got most of the cast, but they've got a few more roles to fill, but they're filming soon. Like I'm pretty sure we can expect some more news in the next couple of weeks or so. Um, so hopefully we get some more stuff and, uh, you know, they'll get underway with production and we can get all excited that they're actually filming a new Star Wars movie. I will say, too, how cool was it that we got two big news stories in one week for two totally different Star Wars things, one for Episode 7 and then for Star Wars Rebels. I mean, this is the type of stuff we can be expecting now for Star Wars as a whole, some big news for a TV show and for new movies. I mean, it's just awesome to be getting this these big stuff for Star Wars and for two separate uh, mediums, TV and movies, and then pretty soon going to be video games. So yeah, yeah. this E3's is just a tip of the iceberg. In, yeah, E3 is in about a month, so... Um, you know, they, they've announced that they're going to be talking about Battlefront, but who knows if they might be announcing another new Star Wars game there. So, uh, yeah, it should definitely be some exciting Star Wars video game stuff on the horizon as well. Um, and yeah, like you said, just all of that stuff sort of piling on top of each other. Like first, we'll, I mean, what if we get like another episode seven casting announcement or the title or something like that revealed like the same week as a new Battlefront trailer, like, yeah, <laughs> I, I don't even know if I could process all of that. 
And then they reveal that Darth Vader is going to be in Star Wars Rebels. <laughs> well, see, that would be one of those things where it's like, yes, I knew it, but I'm still really <laughs> excited that they finally announced it. Uh, it'll probably be the Lando thing, though, first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, obviously we're super excited for that. So I uh, can't wait to see it when it finally airs. But until then, we will just be uh, looking out for more news, rumors, all that kind of stuff. So uh, that's going to do it for this episode of Star Wars The Saga Continues. But thank you guys for listening. And uh, as always, you can check us out on Facebook at Star War- at facebook.com slash Star Wars The Saga Continues. You can follow us on Twitter at Star Wars TSC, um, and you can email us at Star Wars TSC at gmail.com. Um, and those are all good ways to contact us and give us feedback about the show. Um, if you guys have you know any comments or questions about the show specifically, or you just want to chime in on the Star Wars rumor of the day, uh, you know I know we've always got people tweeting us, uh, you know, with uh, their thoughts on casting announcements or rumors or anything like that so it's always great to hear from you guys and uh you know keep up the discussion and the comments and all that kind of stuff um also if you listen to us on itunes you can find us on the itunes store and leave us a review on there if you'd like um and of course you can check us out at starwarstsc.com uh that's our own website and you can you know find all the news stories and stuff on there that we're talking about um, and, uh, usually on Twitter and on the website is where we post most of the news and we'll, uh, post it on Facebook sometimes too, but, um, you can obviously, you know, follow those for all the up to the minute updates that we, uh, post, you know, before we get around to recording an episode and talking about all of them, but hopefully we will get some more exciting new star Wars information soon. And we'll be back, uh, with a new episode to talk about all that for you guys. But until then we will see you guys next time and may the force be with you. See you next time, everybody. Thank you.